Welcome everyone. Let me put Danny up there. Hey, there's the star of the show. <laughs> Danny Shim. Welcome everyone. I'm Aldo Gandia and that is Danny Shimon. Welcome to another episode of Draft on Tap. We were off last week celebrating Valentine's Day. What'd you do, uh, Danny? Did you take your inflatable doll out for a date? No, no. It was an actual live breathing woman nice. with you know, some some blood flowing through her veins you know? <laughs> nice all right we went out for a nice yep. dinner it's nothing nothing, nothing up in the world nothing like you know, like you mr gandio bought the roses and you yeah. know candy and all that stuff and candlelight stuff afterwards and yeah had the the full work and then uh didn't score so <laughs> We'll that for the show. <laughs> That's right. Like the Bears offense, get in the red zone and <laughs> don't get it in. Anyway, <laughs> thanks, uh, everyone, for tuning in to uh, Draft on Tap. we got a really uh, great show for you planned. Ian Cummings, the draft analyst over at Pro Football Network, is going to join us in about a minute. Uh, D- uh, Danny and him are going to talk about some prospects. Uh, and then I'll ask both of them to uh, analyze, evaluate my mock draft. Uh, I've only done a handful this season, uh, but it's always fun to do one before uh, free agency starts and then do one afterwards. Uh, and then any more than that is just a waste of time. So It's February 21st. So you've already done a handful of mock drafts. Come on. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's true. It really is true. I'm not like Berlissimo, who by now has probably done 6,347. Uh, I think that every combination going number one overall to the Bears. Indeed. Berlissimo. <laughs> And then uh, Danny and I are going to look at some free agent safeties now that uh, it's official that Eddie Jackson is no longer a member of the Chicago Bears. So uh, we've got a full show. Let's bring it. And receivers less as well for the Bears. That's right. That's right. So we we got a lot planned. And, of course, we'll answer any and all of your questions. Let me bring in the man of the hour. His name is Ian Cummings. Ian, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Happy to be here. Happy to talk draft with you guys. It's kind of the, the main topic this time of year. So it's been fun. The Senior Bowl Shrine Bowl was in the rearview mirror. We got the NFL Combine coming up this week. Free agency will answer some more questions and kind of give us a clearer picture, right? But hey, so long way to go. Still a lot to talk about. Indeed. Uh, Danny asked you where you were and you mentioned Michigan. So are you a Lions fan? I grew up a Lions fan. Yeah, I was uh, I was around ten years old for that 08-0-16 season, so mm-hmm. I vaguely remember it, you know. And it, it is a little bit of sadness there, but uh, hopefully they're they're ramping up. I'm I'm excited for things under Motor City Dan Campbell. But you know, as I became as I've become an evaluator, I've kind of tried to stay neutral, objective. Like I will enjoy when they're successful, but I got a job to do, right? I don't want anything to sway me, so. Uh, I, I grew up a Lions fan for sure, though. Also a little bit of Michigan State, so Kirk Cousins was my guy growing up. But, uh, yeah. Very cool. I, I, I got to ask, I don't mean to rub this in, but have you guys gone over that 17-point uh, bowl? Relief? It's, a little, it's a little raw, Danny. It's a little raw. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Right. It's fine. I'll, I'll push through it. I'll push through it. <laughs> hey, Ian. Guys, man, I was rooting for you guys big time. Yeah, nah, man, I can't, I was, I can't say I was. <laughs> but, you know, I have a lot of respect for how that team has been built. Uh, excellent yeah. draft picks. Uh, Holmes has just done a fabulous, fabulous job. So congratulations on that. Hey, um, for our viewers, could you please tell them exactly what you do over at Pro Football Network? I have read probably a thousand or more of your analysis on players as I've played around with the excellent mock draft uh, simulator there. Uh, but uh, why don't you let people know what you do over at Pro Football Network? 
Yeah, so it's it's twofold. It's scouting reports and it is the MDS. I have a you know direct impact on how I kind of manage that too. So scouting reports, I watch tape, I write my notes, and then I kind of consolidate it into scouting notes and have a summary in there too. So I try to write up as many guys as I can. And then I also have a direct impact on the MDS. We'll have meetings about rankings and where guys are at, right? Uh, and we'll talk about those things too. And we'll also do updates. So scouting on that side, kind of getting the the bare information of what we use uh, to divert other things like rankings, the big board, the MDS, all of those things. Uh, I'm kind of a central force of that. So I really enjoy it. And I take, I take uh, a lot of responsibility in making sure that the information is up to date, it's in depth, and it's comprehensive, and it gives you the clearest picture that you can get of those prospects. And it's it's always a learning process, but uh, it's a fun, it's a fun time from start to finish. Outstanding. All right, I'm going to step out of the picture and let you and Danny have at it. Uh, have have fun. Yeah, thanks, Aldo. So, Ian, yeah, you mentioned you know with the East West Shrine game being done now, the Senior Bowl being done, Combine coming up next week. We're kind of hitting that that middle tier, that that that, that stretch drive here with with the whole pre draft process. So. You know, just kind of starting off in terms of you know where prospects started on your board. I'm not sure if you've gone through and, and started putting together your big board, but you know who has any, if anyone, whether offense, defense, have really taken that that's next step in your opinion, and really has a chance to kind of you know jump into maybe day one, you know maybe go from a day three guy to a day two guy, you know depending on what they do here at the combine. Obviously, is there one or two players that kind of stick out to you on top of your head? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give up two that are pretty clear at the top of my head. I think Darius Robinson, I saw he was on the show sheet too, the Missouri defensive lineman. But he was a guy who uh, actually graded pretty highly for me toward the end of the year. I actually had a top 35 grade on him coming out of the season. And then seeing him tear up the Senior Bowl like he did was very impressive. But, I mean, 6'5", 286, 35-inch arms, right? He's got very good size and length, but then at the same time explosive, really good finesse, really good power component. Uh, the alignment versatility is there to be a three-tech, a five-tech, right? You know, he's got a ton of flexibility with how you can use him. I liken him to a Danico Autry at his maximum, right? And I think that kind of disruptive versatility is really appealing. So he was kind of a fringe day two guy, right, coming in. But we're seeing some mock drafts where he's sneaking in around one. So I think he's been a riser from that tier. And then a day three to day two guy, Malik Washington from Virginia, I think is the biggest one that I've seen. I think he was on the mock draft too, so that'll be fun to talk about him more. But uh, he's the quintessential slot receiver. I think just his receiving chops, his route running ability, and he's so tough. You know, he's only 5'9", 182 around there, or 5'8", 192. I got those switched up. But uh, he plays beyond his frame. He's very tough at the catch point, just a really reliable receiver. I think people, we get caught up in all the measurables, right? But if you can separate and catch the ball, you're gonna have a long career, and I think he fits that profile. Yeah, two guys that 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 really caught my eye as well, Ian. I mean, talk about Darius Robinson. Obviously, his, his tape in Missouri, it's you know, speaks for itself. And then he goes to the to the Senior Bowl, and it really just lights it up. And like I said, what I like about him is the same thing, man. I like I like the versatility. Like uh, you know, the Bears here play a four three, and we're predominantly scouting for the Bears defense. And I think he fits predominantly in that, that edge edge outside edge opposite of Montez Sweat. Uh, but the, you know, he's got the length, he's got that, you know, that, that, that good sturdy frame, but then I kick him inside on as a three technique on passing downs. I think he's even more effective there. I think that's what he showed us there at the senior bowl and Malik Washington talked about it. You know, guy was here at Northwestern and really had a nondescript, you know, collegiate career playing at, you know, that shows how bad the quarterback play was at Northwestern goes to Virginia and just explodes, you know, leads the ACC with 110 receptions over 1500 yards. And, and he's really East West Shrine game, he was unguardable. And I think he's another guy that, that's really, really stuck, struck out. So, you know, two good guys. And, yeah, we'll, we'll touch on both those guys probably later on in, in Aldo's mock draft. But uh, 
you know, sticking to the defensive side, and again, you know, we're inundated here with the quarterback talk. You know, obviously, with number one pick, and we're on like who's following who now on Instagram. That's how bad it is here in Chicago. So, you know, going to that side, and obviously, edge rusher is, is a huge need for the Bears, and I think receiver is another huge need for the Bears. So, you know, obviously, you know, that's, this has been deemed a, a non, you know, great draft, if you will, for for edge guy. But I think you can find a guy. You know, if you go past the first top three guys, I think you can find a guy late day two, maybe even early day three. That can that might not fulfill all their needs, but could be what I call a a speed rusher off the edge. And, and one guy I want to kind of talk to you about, and I got I had, I had earmarked prior to this whole draft process is is Isaac from from Penn State. Now, mm-hmm. Chop Robinson gets all all the hype because of you know he's probably the you know the quintessential you know rush end. But I think at least Isaac really comes on, and I think you know he came in with 34 inch arms measure at, at the East West, uh, at the I'm sorry at the Senior Bowl, and I think that first half quickness. Really tough against the run for a guy with a slender frame at edge. You know, talk about Adisa Isaac. I think he's a guy that could potentially go in that that you know um, late day two probably range. What do you think? Yeah, I think he's raised. He's actually a top fifty guy for me. So I think you know you're looking at him probably early to mid day two. I think he'll test very well. Uh, the athleticism. I mean, those Penn State guys are always very well trained when yeah. it comes to that aspect, right? So I think there's a little bit of an injury history, right? I believe he tore his Achilles uh, ahead of the 2020 one season but he came back in 2022 played well and then obviously 2023 seven sacks 15 tackles for loss so i mean you mentioned it just the all-around disruptive ability that comes with this guy is very impressive and i think the senior bowl was kind of a representation of that where he's got the lateral agility right he's got the explosion off the line he's got the bend right to kind of press those angles and kind of corner the arc uh but he's very long too 6'4 250 34 inch arms really good power profile shock in his hands very good pursuit motor i think with the disa isaac you've got a guy who still has yet to put everything together but it's starting to click with him. And then the physical palette of tools, the full palette of tools is there. So, you know, for me personally, right. And I think he's going to, I think his character evaluation is really going to just leave rave reviews as well. I think he has uh, three nonverbal siblings and he's been taking care of them too. You know, he built, built his way back from injury. He was a team captain. There aren't a lot of red flags with this guy. You know, if he passes the medical check, I think he'll definitely rise up the board. But I think for the bears, because you look at him and chop side by side, Chop Robinson, I'm a big fan of his because I think he's that alignment versatile disruptor who you can just get him anywhere. And he's so maniacal. He's so explosive and twitchy. And he's got a lot of power inside his his compact frame. Like he can be that disruptive force. But Adisa Isaac for the Bears, right? Even front, you want a guy who play with his hand in the dirt. You want a guy who can have the strength to hold up the run, hold up the uh, hold up the edge and run defense and also make plays in pursuit, stacking and shedding. I think he fits more of that traditional mold while also having the upside to expand beyond that. So for me, he's a very fun player. I think top 50 is where he's going to go. I think you're going to have to get him within that range. But if you can do that, impact player. You know, I don't think I, I know much about, about, about Adisa is like he's that that emotional guy up front. You know, you know, I, I said Chop is, is the prototypical guy that NFL teams drew for in terms of that quick twitch, that first type quickness, and even the length. I think Adisa is that heart and soul of that defensive line in, in terms of what he the way he would galvanize the, the other guys and just kind of rally everyone. And again, I, for me, I, I think where he stands out a little bit better than than Chop is his ability to play the run. And again, for a guy who's slightly you know smaller than 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 Chop, I think that's where I think he kind of sticks out for me. And again, gives you some of that that speed off the edge as well. Not as bendy as Chop, uh, you know, bending the corner, but I think a guy that gives you that effort and that edge. Again, you, you're looking for a guy that's going to come in and rush opposite of Montez. That's what I think he'd be a nice fit. 
for Chicago. A couple other guys that we want to touch on real quick. Someone that I'm not as high on, but I know a lot of our listeners like him, and it's, that's Chris Braswell from, from Alabama. I, th- I think his measurables don't fit with what the Bears like to do here, especially at end. You know, Matt Eberflus in the last couple of years, you know, his drafts, he likes length. He likes guys with, you know, he's got that those those long arms that, you know, the, you know, the big, you know, six three, six four guys, whether it's interior guy, you know, outside guys. And I think just, you know, the sub 33 inch arms is what we came in at, at, at Braswell came in at, at the senior bowl. I think will be something that may, might even kick him outside to a three, four outside linebacker. So just, uh, but I know a lot of people in our, in our chat room do like Chris Braswell, you know, just give, give us a quick take on, on Braswell from Alabama. Yeah, I think he is best in a stand-up linebacker role, outside rush linebacker role. I think that's kind of where he is. I don't know if he has the profile to rush with his hand in the dirt, like play the strong end. But I do think, you know, from wider alignments, there is enough play strength there to get it done. So I think, you know, not a, a true schematic fit for the for the Bears unless they employ more odd hybrid fronts, right? Uh, if they do some more of that personnel flexibility. But I do think, you know, you're, you are getting a guy – he doesn't have great length, but he has shown that he can convert to speed to power. He's got a really good speed to power game. And I think that comes from timely extensions, really good, efficient uh, arm load and elbow load and kind of shooting his hands into the torso and then also loading his base to sustain that power drive. And then he's got the workmanlike hands to stack moves off of those initial power exertions. So I, I really think, you know, as a rush linebacker in those odd front schemes, he's got a good fit for the Bears. It's a little tricky because is that what he is? I don't think so. But, you know, there is there are some tools to work with there not quite as high a ceiling as dallas turner opposite from him but still a solid player and in terms of talking about converting speed to power this guy that i you know have to do some more uh, some more tape study on is, is marshawn uh, marshawn uh, uh Nealon from western yeah. uh, michigan he's a guy that talks about you know effort mortars runs hot all the time you know give, give us and i think he, you know he popped uh, in terms of the at the senior bowl you know some of those you know team drills and you know seven on sevens and even you know or, you know, team on team drills there as well. So give us your take on Marshawn Nealon from uh, Western Michigan. Yeah, if you need a guy to put his hand in the dirt, he's 6'3", 268, and he's got 34-inch arms. So he's uh, – the fun part of, with him is that he can play with his hand in the dirt. And he's shown that he can do three-point stances, four-point stances, but he can also do two-point, too. He's actually a pretty good guy rushing from space. And watching his usage at Western Michigan was fun because there were some reps where they shaded him out uh, over the zero tech, over the center. And just let him be that battering ram. And he's so powerful with his natural leverage, his proportional length, his explosiveness, and he can just tear holes into the offensive line. I think he's pretty good at stacking moves outside of that, too. You saw the senior bowl. The motor is definitely there. It's a dude who never rests. The bend capacity isn't quite there as much with him. That's kind of the trade-off. Right? He's very powerful, very explosive, high-motor guy, strong run defender, not the most flexible around the arc. And you're going to see him lock his hips out when he does try to, to threaten under that. But I think you really, if you're looking for a power guy who can really pinch the pocket opposite Montez Sweat and then provide very good run defense, he's definitely got that profile. So I think for the Bears, probably one of the better fits in the group. All right, so flipping on offense, obviously you talked about Malik Washington could be a guy that that you know could come in here later rounds and, and be a receiver option. And I'm also looking for interior offensive linemen. You know, are, are there a couple of guys that that caught your eye, whether it's East West Shrine game or or the Senior Bowl that you think? You know, our, our guys that could potentially, again, the Bears are going to be running. They brought in, you know, the uh, Shane Waldron, uh, who's a disciple of the Shane, uh, Sean McVay, you know, a wide zone, you know, inside zone kind of scheme. So, you know, need some athletic guys here, the guys that, that can maintain their maintain their blocks moving laterally. Any guys stick out to you on the on the interior of the offensive line? 
Yeah, I think, you know, there are a few guys who have that position flex to play guard or were kind of experimenting at center, too, during those weeks. And that's kind of a big thing for teams is that, um, you know, kind of seeing if they can snap the ball, right? Seeing if they have comfort there, if there's some projectability. Uh, A few guys that stood out to me during All-Star Week, Brandon Coleman from TCU during the Senior Bowl was a little up and down during the week, but he had really, he had pretty good tape at TCU, really good tackle tape in 2022, which was interesting. And at guard, he played a little bit. He switched between those positions in 2023, but he's a fun one for me because he's still pretty young as a football player. He didn't start playing football until I think his sophomore and junior year in high school. He was a basketball guy before that, right? So, you know, he switched over and he's still picking up the ins and outs of the position. But he is very athletic. He was on Feldman's Freeze with 35-inch vertical, I think. He's six foot four, 316 with 34-inch arms. And, you know, he's very good at playing square to his opponents. He's got lateral mobility. They're really good flashes of hand usage on tape, too. So I think a lot of the building blocks that you need are there. And he's explosive, hinging out as a puller, right? But he's got that strength and leg drive to play his own blocker, too. So I like him a lot. Dominic Pooney from Kansas is another one that I like a lot. He had a really good senior bowl week. He was one of the best linemen there. Uh, but he was actually doing some center flex, too. He was kind of taking snaps there, and I thought he looked good. So maybe an experiment that you can go through with him. But another very explosive athletic guy with a well-proportioned frame, really physical. He's got that torque to finish reps. Um, and I think that he's got some position flex across the line, too. Like, he's played tackle before. You can put him a guard if you want. I think there's a lot of freedom for you if you're the Bears. Just kind of put him where you want, and he can you know, play that position. Uh, Christian Mahogany from Boston College. One more that I will add. Center doesn't have experience there. Uh, he was taking some snaps in the Shrine Bowl. I think he was a little up and down in that, so you want to see if he can project there. But, again, six foot three. Over 310, the dude's a powerhouse, right? He just has so much physicality. Yeah, he's a mauler. He will finish you. He will bury you in the dirt, and he will not be shy about it. He's got very good anchor strength, core strength, grip strength, and he's very good at driving through and maintaining those anchors through reps. And then as a pass blocker, I think he's very good at picking up stunts. I think he's got good anchor and uh, extension timing. Uh, So those things, right, kind of add up. I think he's just a solid starter who can kind of set the tone for you. So those are a few. I think this is a strong class for having that guard center flex. There's a few guys who kind of fit that mold. But for the Bears, uh, if they're looking for top guys, those stand out. Yeah, Coleman really, really impressed me. And I I think you mentioned him kicking inside or playing some tackle. I think he could do both. I mean, he's got the athletic ability of feet to be able to slide, shuffle, and, and, you know, protect on the outside left tackle. And if he doesn't doesn't work out well, he can kick inside a guard. So, you know, obviously the Bears think they have their left tackle of the future here in Braxton Jones. So you can bring in a kid like Coleman. You can probably pluck him in a, a guard. Uh, if Jones, for whatever reason, gets hurt or you have to, you have, Coleman can slide over left tackle and, and get you out of a game. So I think he gives you that position versatility at tackle guard, where I think he's he's really, really interesting, interesting uh, character there as well. So, yeah, so, some some really good. I think this this draft class in terms of the offensive line is is, is probably one of, the, one of the better ones we've seen in the last couple of years. So, you know, you touch on Mahogany, a guy that, like I said, is a mauler. Um, yeah, you're right. I, I think I think at guard, he does get a little bit extended. I think kicking him inside the center might be probably his best position moving on, moving forward at, at the next level. But you know, a couple of guys that I liked at center, and I guess center is, is, a, is a big thing here, is, and a guy that I think fits perfectly, and, and obviously we didn't see him play much at the senior bowl because of an injury, but is Zach, Zach Frazier from, from West Virginia. He's a guy that I think got that athletic trait, the ability to move laterally, keep your maintains blocks. I like the way he releases to that second level. Touch a little bit on, on, on Zach Frazier from uh, West Virginia at center. Yeah, and he gets drowned out sometimes because Jackson Powers Johnson is just such a good player, right? And, uh, you know, rightly so, JPJ is going to be a top 20 guy on my board. I think he's well worth a first-round pick. But Zach Center Frazier, or guard, though. Center or guard? 
I think he could play both. You know, I would probably keep him at center just because he's such a young player and he's already shown an affinity for the position, right? He's got very good football IQ. You can see that. I would let him grow within that. But if you do have a center already, I mean, the dude is 6'3", 330, and he's going to, you know, again, he's a mauler. He's super athletic. He's very good at driving. I think the upside is there to play both positions at a high level. Just for me, with how important the center position is, just for calling out protections, right, you know, being that fulcrum of the line, I want a guy like JPJ holding that unit together, right? So that's kind of my thought process. But I think both. Uh, but Zach Frazier, you know, gets overlooked, I think, because of his presence. And I think we need to we need to give him some, some credit because he's – He's a very good player in his own right. I, I was such a big fan of him when I watched him initially uh, earlier in the fall, right? But this is a guy who is, you know, well-sized. Again, you know, he's got enough strength and power, you know, all those things. But he's a good athlete, like you said. I think he's pretty good moving in space. He's very flexible. I think that's the thing that stands out to me. This is a guy who definitely has the mobility to get to his spot but also has the hinge flexibility to be controlled and not overrun his blocking angles and then hinge around and seal guys off on the backside. I think he's very assignment sound. He's a high IQ football player and that high football IQ and angle awareness allows him to maximize his athleticism and his mobility and his power. Right. So I think you have a really good blend of athletic physical tools and also the mental acuity to play the position at a high level with him. Not quite the, you know, elite talent that JPJ is, but still a guy who, if you get him in top 50 and the bears are in that range where they could take him, right. I think you're getting a guy who's going to lock down that position for 10 plus years. And the really impressive thing is he, he missed part of the year with the injury. Right. And he was almost ready to play again. Senior bowl. He wanted to play again, but they're like, nah, we're going to hold you out. Just, just do, you know, some little, you know, drill work. Right. But, uh, he was working his way back, and just that recovery time, it shows that he grinds off the field, too, and you'd like to have that. And I'm, I'm a big nerd when it comes to offensive linemen, guys that are, that are like to finish, and the guys are, are yep. nasty. And, and JP's got that. Jackson Power's got some nasty. And you just, just if you guys want to watch some fun tape, watch Jackson Power's pulling and meeting that defensive end that's trying to pinch inside and have him just wallop that guy and you know, send him over you know, to the next to the next you know. Uh, Area court or whatnot, but that, that guy is fun to watch. So, but you know, just just kind of going back to to the to the offense and, and defense. I, I guess the you know the players overall. Is there you know someone that that you see right now that that no one's talking about? Right, right. It could be a, any position. It could be at safety, corner, defensive line, linebacker, anything. And no one's talking about you know the mainframe media is you know it's, it's not really you know bringing them up. But you said like, this is a guy that that's either going to show out at the you know at the combine coming up or you know in his pro days and he's going to eventually you know be one of those uh, hot risers you know right before the draft time i mean how much time you got because i feel like there's one <laughs> at every position I'll, I'll limit myself i'll limit myself but um i'll start with one who was on the show sheet kieran amagaji and i think people are starting to talk about him more because uh dane brugler from the athletic wrote a great piece about him kind of profiling him right but this is a guy who really caught my eye in the summer right because he watches yale tape and it's very clear from the start, the physical tools did not belong at the FCS level. I mean, the dude is six foot five, 320 over 36 inch arms. He is explosive out of his stance, very good recovery capacity, very good agility for his size and kind of fleet of foot, but he's powerful too. I mean, he's so forceful with his extensions, his grip strength is suffocating and he's got the, you know, lower body freedom to kind of realign his base well anchored and keep leverage through reps. So I think Kieran Amagaji, um, you know, there was that 2020 season that was canceled due to COVID and he could have, you know, stalled out, but he used that time to refine his game and come back even stronger. So again, that's another thing that you really like to see from a player. He's got tackle and guard experience. I think at guard, he could be an absolute road grader with his explosiveness and power. But I also think 
the leveraging is there and the tools are there to be a potentially dominant tackle as well. So a ton of upside with him. Uh, and then you mentioned safety. So a couple of safeties that stand out on my, on my mind here. I think uh, Malik Mustafa from Wake Forest is one that no one talks about, you know, 5'10", 208. The dude is a missile coming downhill. He is explosive. He is very, very physical. He will make you feel his impact. But I also think he's got some pretty good coverage utility too. He's got a nice back pedal. He's pretty instinctive, good reaction speed. I think that physicality and that two-phase ability will really endear him to teams. And then Keaton Oladapo from Oregon State is another one. Six foot two. He measured in almost 220 pounds at the senior bowl, but he moved very well. He was really good in coverage against tight ends. And on tape, you see that, right? Again, a very instinctive, fluid player for his size. I think those are two guys who really could. Safeties, it's always a, a situation with safeties where sometimes guys fall down the board because there's so many niches in that position. But those guys, you put them in the right role. I think Malik Mustafa, let him run and hit things and explode and, and attack, and he's got that ability. Keaton Oladapo has kind of got that versatility, right, but tight end eraser tools as well. Uh, those are two guys who I think need to get a little more credence. Cool. Great stuff. Now, I, I, I said to say we're not going to talk about quarterbacks, so we're not we're going to stay away from the number one overall pick, but I, you're a Michigan guy, and, and I've been told by a couple of people that work in the NFL, the guys I respect, that J.J. McCarthy – is, is guys that they, that they like a lot. And, and, I, and I, I want, and Jordan Silver, I just popped up there on our chat and he, he loves JJ McCarthy. And, and so I watch him and I know he wants a pro style system. I know he's got the, you know, the height, he's got, you know, above average arm strength. I just don't see it with JJ. Now, now you'll be a mission guy. Sell me on JJ McCarthy. Tell me why he's going to be a good pro quarterback. Now I will say I grew up a Michigan state fan. So that would oh, incentivize okay. me to, I, I say objective. I say objective. Don't worry. J.J. McCarthy is a polarizing prospect because, you know, he's very – the tools are there, I think. You know, he's a very athletic guy. I think the arm is very good. It's kind of a loose, elastic release. He's a little bit lighter, so it doesn't always have that heft of a guy like a Josh Allen. But, you know, he does – you see it when he gets that full rotation. He has the velocity to hit those tight windows in the intermediate range, right? You know, that is there for sure. He's got the arm elasticity to maintain that off-platform too. So, you know, I think all the talent is there. With McCarthy, the biggest question is down the stretch, Michigan, they were in big games, right? And they often were able to control those games because they got a great offensive line, a great defense. But you didn't, you know, through two full years of starting experience, you didn't have a lot of moments where McCarthy was asked to elevate his team, right? Where he had a lot on his plate and where he had to deliver something to them, right? It was more, he was managing it. They weren't winning in spite of him, right? He was playing good, but not a lot of elevation moments for a guy who's probably going to go early first round. So that's kind of a question. Can he do it if we need him to at the NFL level, right? So my stance is, and, you know, diagnostically too, you can look at the tape, there were some really good moments early on in the year because I wanted him to improve his poise in the pocket, right? I wanted him to become a little bit more consistent as a processor and with his field vision. And I think we saw flashes of that early on in the year, but we didn't get to see it sustained through the year, right? So for a guy who's so young, right, you do want to see that consistent, constant developmental track upward. We didn't quite see that. So is it if he gets in the right spot, can he do that? It's a question. And right now, I don't think there's a clear answer. So for teams, it's going to come down to, does he interview well, right? Are we confident in the mentality that this guy has? Are we confident with that? Because uh, the tools are there for sure. But I think the developmental track is not linear right now. You know, there's still room for him to keep growing on the operational side. And for quarterbacks, sometimes things like field vision, it doesn't always fully click if you don't have it at the collegiate level. So it's a question for sure. 
I think the talent is there. I think there are still operational things to work on. For teams, it's going to be about does he have the mentality to chip away at those and make that growth happen. You have the guess. Goes, he goes first round, you think? I think he goes first round. He's young. He's talented. He's 21 years old. So I think, you know, do I have him graded there? I kind of have him graded on the round one, round two fringe. But he's young. He's talented. <laughs> we know how powerful that QB tax can be. Someone is going to – someone is going to invest in that right and he's very talented like i don't want to gloss over the talent i don't want to say he's not worth it just because my grade says he's kind of on the fringe right you know my evaluation is limited i don't have access to the character as much as these nfl teams do so that's a big part of it so we'll see what they say he's talented but i think i think he goes early first round just because after those top three there is scarcity there and he's the youngest most talented guy on the board Great stuff. Um, okay, so what I'd like to do now is have you guys take a look at my mock draft. And, and this is actually pretty cool for me because I got Ian Cummings here. I, I read all of his analysis of these prospects, so he clearly has had some input into this draft. So this is going to be kind of weird getting his reaction to it. If he hates my draft, then I'm going to say, well, you like some of these guys. <laughs> but the screen that I put this through is that the decision has been made to uh, keep Justin Fields as the number one quarterback and trade the first pick overall for assets. And you'll see that uh, I made a trade here with New England Patriots uh, that brought back a pretty good haul. In reality, it probably would be more. Um, but also, I wanted to focus on now providing Justin Fields with the weapons that he needs in order to get to that next level. Like Tua got to the next level with the acquisition of Tyreek Hill and so forth. So that was the thinking behind this draft. So after trading the first overall pick to the New England Patriots and getting back uh, the, their third pick, their 34th pick, their 68th pick, and a first and second rounder uh, from New England in uh, in 2025, I drafted Marvin Harrison Jr., the wide receiver out of Ohio State. That complements DJ Moore at the other wide receiver position, a big playmaker, big body, can play the X receiver, and, uh, and, and, and will be the heir apparent to the number one overall uh, wide receiver position for the Bears. Then the defensive end, I truly believe it's important for the Bears to add in a quality defensive end opposite Montez Sweat. That will elevate the defense. The defense made a huge leap in 2023 in the second half of the season, and they can make a huge leap to perhaps being a top five, top seven defense if they can get a solid pass rush. And Latu was there at nine, and I picked them over guys like Jared Verse and so forth. Then uh, because of the departure of Eddie Jackson, I picked Cameron Kitchens uh, out of Miami. He's that uh, uh, center field safety, can cover a lot of ground, has great instincts. Uh, and then the acquisition of Shane Waldron as the offensive coordinator saw that he works a lot in 12 packages. And so Jatavian Sanders was there at 68, the tight end from Texas. Want to build the rushing attack, as Danny says, the Chicago Bears are really a running team. And so even if you add Marvin Harrison, we're going to run the ball. And uh, Audrey Estime, I think, could be the best running back in this draft. And he was there at 75. Big playmaker on uh, uh, at the wide receiver position chose Malik Washington out of Virginia. You guys talked about him earlier, and you also talked about offensive guard uh, Christian Mahogany at 123. And then with the last draft pick, took a developmental edge player 
Uh, Ian, you wrote about uh, Javon that he's uh, impressed people at workouts and so forth. So I'm interested uh, to get the latest, uh, your opinion on your latest thoughts on on Javon. So that's the draft. I'll start with Ian and then Danny, I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Yeah, you know, I'm not super fond. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I like it a lot. I, I, was, I was gonna, I was gonna get you with the bait and switch, but no, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I think, I think at all levels you're filling needs. I really like. Well, first off, I, Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't really think I have to go into that too much, right? We know how good this guy is, right? We know how mm-hmm. good he is for this offense. But that X receiver, um, just the way that he can separate at his size, you know, is uncanny. You do not see it often at all. So I think getting that guy opposite DJ Moore is incredible. I think Latu Latu is a really fun fit with sweat because Montez sweat. He's that powerful guy who can forklift through tackles and push the pocket. Latu Latu, man, he's six, five two sixty, but he's got elite bend capacity. I don't think people talk about that enough, but he's a, he's a very good finesse rusher with a deep, deep, bag of pass rush tools and hand usage components. So I think getting that technician with that bend and finesse opposite sweat, uh, that's a devastating combo to have in tandem with one another. So I like that a lot. Cam Kitchens is that rangy guy over top Jaquan Brister. I think the playmaking ability is top tier with him. That center fielder range is really appealing. Uh, there are occasional lapses in coverage. So, you know, you want to cut down on those, but he's got size. He's got range. He's got ball skills. I think all of those things are there and he's pretty good in support too. So I love Kitchens and Brisker together. Jatavian Sanders is a fun one. I think he's a guy who, you know, you can kind of mix and match with this offensive personnel when you have Washington on the field, put him in this slot. But when you want to go a little bit bigger, I think Jatavian Sanders has some big slot versatility too. You can scheme him touches on motions, but he's a very good seam threat, red zone threat as well. I think getting that size and athleticism in there is a big plus for a guy like Justin Fields, who has the arm talent to fit the ball into those windows. Audrey Gestime, one of my favorite backs in that day two range. I think Rashawn Johnson, Khalil Herbert, both solid pieces, but neither precludes you from taking a guy like Estime if he's there. Uh, the dude is a bowling ball, 5'11", 227. The contact balance, the forward pressing physicality, really efficient working the middle of the field between the tackles too. So I like that part of his game. Very explosive for his size. Washington, we talked about him earlier, that quintessential slot. Very re- reliable guy. I would love to have him in that rotation. Uh, Christian Mahogany, again, you know, a mauler who's got guard ability, but you could trans- transfer him to center if you want to. I think it'll be a little bit of a learning curve while he's learning how to snap the ball consistently. But uh, like Danny said, the natural leverage, uh, the core strength, all of those things translate. And then Javon Solomon, I mean, well, uh, real quick too, getting the first and second round pick next year is big because if you're committing to Justin Fields, you want to adequately support him. Right. You know, if you're committing, you want to make that happen. I, those picks go a long way. But Javon Solomon, I think if you're going to pick Javon Solomon, you got Andrew Billings, I believe, still. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong if he's a free agent. Yep. But, uh, you know, OK, like if you want to use some more odd fronts with him, mix up that personnel. I think Javon Solomon is probably more of a rush linebacker. Right. So you're probably getting him on the field more in that seven tech role where he's way out wide. He's, you know, stand up edge. But he's six one around 250. So a dense dude. And he's actually got almost 34 inch arms. So really good proportional length. That's kind of the the uh, profile that I want when I'm looking for those speed rushers. And I think if you're the Chicago, for me personally, if I would build a roster, I would always want to vary my personnel a little bit. So you've got a finesse guy in Latu who's got really good hands. You've got a power guy in Montez Sweat. Let's get that speed guy, you know, uh, make a Detroit comparison here, James Houston, uh, the rookie last year who ended up getting eight sacks, right? He's a pass rush specialist. You get him on the field, let him rush from space. 
that's what he does. I think Javon Solomon can be a kind of similar component. He's not going to be a great run defender on early downs, but get him in the seven tech wide nine on pass rushing downs. And he's got the speed, bend, proportional length and active hands and the hot motor uh, to make the most of it. So overall, very good draft. I would give it an A. I think it's a solid draft from top to bottom. All right, Danny, don't don't burst my bubble here. <laughs> Give me an A too. You start off by keeping Justin Fields right there. You're, that, that's a winner for me because that, that's I'm Team Justin over here in Chicago. So you know, obviously uh, Harrison Jr. We've, we've talked about. We'll touch on him later on. My top ten. Uh, you know, Latu is is my top edge guy. The only question about him and, and Ian, you mentioned it in terms of his 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 uh, ability to his arsenal to use his hands. And I haven't seen someone that in terms of technique wise that well advanced uh, come out of college. And maybe Joey Bosa, maybe Nick Bosa. You know, the, one of the Bosa brothers. That's how good of a you know technician he is with his hands. And I, I just love the way. Doesn't have the uh, the 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 length that that Eberflus likes. Sub thirty three inch arms. So we'll see how that officially comes in at the senior at, at the at the combine. But Love him. The only question about Latu is his medicals, right? Obviously, the kid right. was made to retire two years into Washington, took a year off, came back at, at, at UCLA, hasn't missed a beat, had 23-some sacks in the last couple of seasons. The kid is a beast on, off the edge. Cameron Kitchens, you know, again, a, a guy that really, to me, popped at the senior bowl a couple of times, especially on team drills. Ball hog, 11, 11 interceptions the last two years, 15 passes defense, three forced fumbles. You know, that, that's the kind of guy you put in there in, in the back back half there with that front now with with a, with a Latu potentially and, 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 and a sweat and guys coming in the middle. I think that's he's going to opportunity to make some plays on the ball as well. Um, Jatavian Sanders, he's he's the number two tight end in this class behind you know, Brock Powers. And then, and, and again, you watch Texas tape. You see this guy being able to flex out on the slot, like Ian mentioned. And be a, being a guy that I can stretch that seam and, and nice natural hands catcher doesn't you don't see him you know pressing the ball to his chest and and, and using his body to to caress the you know to, to kind of reel in the catch. Uh, I, I need the rest of the, the list there. Although you took it away from me, I forgot oh. your I forgot your Sorry. great. <laughs> uh, Estime again, and uh, like you mentioned, you know, they're gonna probably let Dante Foreman go. He was that in between tackles runner downhill guy. Esme fills, fills right in at 220, 225. A guy that can that can you know run a, run between tackles and, and be that complement to whether it's you know it, it to um to Khalil Herbert or or the, or the rookie from last year, you know, Johnson. So and then Malik Washington, we talked about him earlier. Mahogany, we talked about him. And Javon Solomon, again, a guy that doesn't fit the measurables that Eberflus likes, but at, at with the 143 pick, you got a guy that came off of 16 sacks last year. At, at Troy, he's got the 34-inch arm, so that might you know pass the Eberflus test, if you will. But again, a guy that's stocky, uh, he's, he's got a big, big fill in, in terms of his, his body is framed small, six one, but he's compact, 246, 250 pounds. A guy that, that can get around the edge and he can he can convert speed to power, get after after the quarterback. Again, just bringing in more pass rushers. So yeah, I, I, although and then obviously you get the first and second pick from New England for next year. You got a second round pick this year for, or I think a third round pick this year from from New England as well. I think this is an A plus draft. Although, great job. I wish this is how the Bears work on April twenty fifth. Well, uh, before I get you out of here, and and, and thank you guys for, uh, for those kind words. Get Xavier out of here. Um, there were a couple of questions came your way, Ian. So before you get out of here, first of all, J two K says, uh, please tell Ian that I added three prospects on his draft list through Oliver Hodgkinson that were left off: Marshawn Nealon, Christian Jones, and Jeremy Fless. Just doing what I can. LOL. Have no idea what he means by that, but I got a feeling that you do. 
I don't exactly know, but I know Elon <laughs> was on our next top. I, I know um, our big board, our top three on the big board, we recently had uh, an old revision. We updated it. It's a new revision now, so it got updated with the new valuations. And okay. So hopefully more players are in there for sure. But that we got that done. We got that as the combine comes out and past the combine, we will be updating that again. So we'll be staying up to date on it. Neeland is my guy. I think I had him sneaking into my – I had him in the top – 125 in the last update which was a long time ago but he's definitely going to be in my top 100 next time he might be in my top 80 i'm a big fan of the power profile that's there christian jones probably more of a mid to late day three guy for me i think the flexibility is kind of a concern for him the recovery athleticism but the dude is big he's long he's powerful he's got grip strength too uh, and then jeremy flax from kentucky is another big guy right he's around 330 340 so you'd like to have that power with him too he's probably a later round guy too uh but three guys who will definitely be on the radar in that 203 on the range. John asked, do you think it's a nine is too early for Latu? I see him in a lot of other mocks go like in the mid-teens. Uh, he's he's dropped uh, over the last two or three months. What are your thoughts? I think if you want a guy who can come in and be a day one impact, a pass rusher and a high, high level one at that, then it's not too early. And, you know, I'm an NFL draft analyst. So like my I, I sit on the fence. I'm notorious for it. Like sometimes, like I gotta have more convictions sometimes. Like my board, he's a top 20 guy, so I don't think it's too high for him. Dallas Turner is slightly higher for me. I think the upside and the youth, the longer developmental track, because Latu is gonna be 24, Turner is just 21, and he's got a really really good tools, right? So for me, it's just about developmental too. Who else is on the board? But if you're talking about pure talent, and if you want a high level passing pass rushing threat on day one, uh, I don't think it's too early because I think he can get it done. What do you think, Danny, on uh, what uh, Ian just said regarding Dallas over Latu? I, I have, I have, I flipped them around. I, I have Latu as, as my top edge rush, and 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 not and not because of anything else. I just like the way, like I said earlier, his his technique, his ability to get to the quarterback, because he's disruptive in the run game. Not not as great in the run game, but he's a guy that can get after the, the quarterback and and rush from the opposite of a month. So I think he'd be a perfect compliment. Dallas Turner for me, there's times that, you know, he's got the, the, the length, he's got the athletic ability, but I just, I just didn't feel the impact that I, that I saw with lots on tape. And, and, and actually I have Turner third behind Jared verse, because I, I just like that the power and the versatility Jared verse brings from Florida state. So, but for me, and to answer the question in terms of lots of being high in number nine, you know, you see him going in the mid, middle of the first round because I think there's a lot of questions about his medicals. And I think this week coming up at, at the at the uh, combine is going to be huge for him. I think if he if the team passes him with flying colors, I think he's a guy that can go within that nine, ten, you know, eleven, twelve range, depending on you know team needs and who trades up, who trades down, so on and so forth. So, but yeah, I mean, I think it's not too high. I think he's he's you know one of the of the two the three premier edge, you know edge rushers. He's he's right up there, and for me, he's number one. For I think for you know, he's number two, but I think that that. That's when that age is, is perfect for him again, but all depends on those on those medicals. Yeah. Yeah, real quick, those top few edge guys are like clustered together very close to my board. I think it's a matter of what style you want. So if you want that high level pass rusher day one, you get lots of. If you want the upside play with the complete palette of tools, Dallas Turner. If you want the really, really good run defender with the speed to power element, it was a pretty good hand fighter too. Jared Verse. And if you want the alignment versatile wrecking ball, right? Chop Robinson, maybe. So I think, you know, it's it really depends on what your flavor is, but I think all of them are viable candidates. Ian, uh, you reported over at ProFootballNetwork.com that uh, there's an agency that is asking its prospects, a talent agency that's asking its prospects uh, to skip the S2 cognition test, which replaced the Wonderlick test. Can you tell our 
followers what the S2 cognition test is and how is it different from the Wonderlick and why this agency wants uh, the, the uh, players not to take the test? Yeah, so in short, and I, I won't pretend to know the full scope of it, but in short, the Wonderlick is more of an, a pure IQ test. The uh, S2 is more of a football or heat of the moment action cognition test, like reaction speed, speed. I don't know why I said speed, uh, reaction speed, but processing things quickly, right? Kind of, you know, t picking out information. Uh, so that kind of thing, you know, IQ versus reaction in the heat of the moment. Uh, why they're choosing to skip it, uh, just seeing what happened with CJ Stroud last year. I mean, the scores got leaked and, you know, there was rumor, there were rumors that they weren't the correct scores to begin with, right? So Ooh. you're seeing, you know, though every, every data point is valuable in the draft process, but once information is out there and it's accessible for people, it can be weaponized and used to misinform, right? So mm -hmm. that's kind of where it comes for these guys. And CJ Stroud, it was such a big thing because he was my QB1. I know he was a lot of other people's QB1. It was a little, it was a little subjective at the top of the board, but it could have caused him to slip a little bit if people gave him more credence. Now, luckily the Texans were there like, hey, the tape says this guy's a good processor, so we're not going to let a number sway us. But seeing how it was used to misinform and you know work against a prospect, the agency will look at that and say, I don't want my guy to go, go through the same thing. So I think that's kind of what, what it's about, trying to protect them and preserve them from that. But it's a tough decision, too, because NFL teams do use that as part of the puzzle, right? It's not a definitive piece, but every little bit counts again. So it's, it's one more bit of information that maybe won't be available, but that's why it's happening. That's 100% accurate. It's because of the, the whole CJ Straw thing and and nothing. I'm not. I don't know anything, but I wouldn't be surprised if Nick Casero, who came from New England with Bill Belichick, leaked that information out about CJ Straw to make sure Carolina didn't, didn't take him. Well, hopefully, try and, and and sway Carolina to take him so he can be there number two. I wouldn't be put put it past Nick Casero to do that. See, this is the movie Hollywood should have made uh, about the NFL draft instead of that stupid Kevin Costner movie with the implausible trades. The I, I, You guys can't tell me that you like draft day, the movie, because if you guys are true draft Knicks, draft analysts, then you know that was totally implausible. Kevin Costner the day of the draft, trading up to get a quarterback he hasn't even scouted. <laughs> so I, yeah. I find that hilarious. But that's the movie that should be made. All the espionage uh, behind the scenes of the NFL draft. But the NFL, of course, would never uh, loan their brand to a movie like that. Anyways, Ian, it's been great having you on as a guest. I've wanted to do this for a while now. Thank you for accepting and being so generous with your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. I enjoyed talking about it. I think the Bears have a, a good offseason ahead. We'll see what they do, some choices to make. We'll get some clarity in the near future. So until next time, I, I enjoyed it. Hey, and by the way, uh, tell us about the the website, what you're writing, and how and why people should go over there for the mock draft. I love it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's uh, you know, we've had a lot of uh, you know, momentum this off season. We're getting more. We're going to be at the NFL Combine covering it in person next week. So that'll be fun. I'm excited. It's my first time going personally, so I am looking forward to it. But um, yeah, we've got more scouting reports. Thank you, Jordan. We got more scouting reports coming out. Uh, we're rewriting some. We're updating constantly, and so that's a fun bit of the process. Locking in the grades and the rankings and the big boards. So um, everything will flow from the scouting and the scouting reports, and we'll do big boards, positional rankings, the top 100 and top 300, and then the MDS. We've got the MDS. We've updated the team needs actually just this past week so that'll help with simulations uh, but we've got some new interface things too we're updating the, the scouting reports within the mds fairly soon so 
that's something to look forward to. So you can have a little bit more knowledge at your fingertips as you're going through the picks. A lot of fun things on the horizon. And we got a two-month window to make it all happen. So uh, it's going to be a fun time for sure. Love it. We'll uh, promote it uh, continually here on the Barroom Network. And really appreciate your time, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank Take you. care. That is Ian Cummings, uh, Pro Football Network. Uh, great job, Danny. Good talk. He, he uh, gave us a lot of names. Uh, th- this is going to be one of those shows I'll probably watch two or three times and try to scribble my notes a little faster. Um, listen, um, let's. I, before we get to your top ten wide receiver list, uh, what did you? And we're going to talk about Eddie Jackson uh, later. But what did you think about the release of Cody White here? A lot of people thought that the writing was on the wall. This is not a surprise, but I want to make sure to get your thoughts on Cody. Yeah, I mean, I think I think neither neither player being released was a surprise to me. I'm not sure why everyone's uh, you know maybe taken aback by Eddie Jackson. I mean, he was scheduled to make 14 million a year. Obviously, we've seen the you know the the, the play in, in Eddie Jackson. You know, he had a bit of a bounce back year last year, but again, you know the the inconsistencies in terms of you know tackling and and some of the injuries that kind of caught up with him it just it's unfortunate because uh, the guy was never the same after that 2018 season in which he had a you know all pro year and then and that you know big contract just whatever reason whether it's inconsistent play it's the injuries you know it just it was never the same and he was never the same and wishing wish him you know best of luck and i i just for me it was just you know Fit accompli as there was there was no way neither one of those players I saw coming back. Um, you know, maybe you can make a case for Eddie Jackson because of the young secondary and because of that leadership role he took last year with that team. But at 14 million, I think if he wasn't going to renegotiate that contract, I think there was no way he was going to come back. So I think now they clear what 21 million or something like that in terms of salary cap space. So uh, heading into free agency now with with roughly if if you take away they that what they have to allocate for their draft class, we know two top 10 picks, they're going to have roughly around 57 I think million available to go out and, and, and spend the free agency. So um, you know, just the more room there. I, I think that won't be the last player that's going to get cut. I, I think there are some other players, fringe players on, on the roster that, that also could be released. Um, we'll see how, how much money they actually go into to free agency with. But, yeah, no surprise whatsoever. All right, let's get to Danny Shimon's top 10 wide receivers for the 2024 NFL Draft. Yeah. And I got to tell you, your number one pick is – to me, it's a little bit of a surprise because I thought you were going to side with Greg, and not because Greg is Greg, but just because of the way Greg sees it in that uh, Malik Neighbors is the number one overall receiver. But you have basically the prominent thought on this is that Marvin Harrison is the guy, huh? Yeah, so so I'm some context here, and I'm going into into this you know draft process into free agency. You know, the Bears only have two receivers really that, that are on this roster that that are, to my in my opinion, are locked to be here, and that's Tyler Scott, the fourth round pick from last year, and obviously DJ Moore. I mean, you know, Bayless Jones is coming back; to, he's going to be on camp, but I don't think he's going to make the roster. Obviously, that some Webster's on on the practice squad. There are other other players there as well. So for me, I, I think they go in here in this offseason. They need three, possibly four receivers. And I'm thinking they go two in the draft and possibly two in free agency. And we touched on Aldo. You and I were talking, you know, pre-show in terms of I don't want big money free agent receivers. I want tier two, tier three guys that can come in, maybe be on number three, maybe be, you know, a, a challenge for number two. But I, I fully expect that number two receiver to be opposite of DJ Moore to be one of these, one of these, one of these, uh, these, you know, top three guys that, that we're going to discuss here real quick. But, but if they, but that if it happens so that that these guys go off the board or the Bears get an offer for number nine, where a team wants a quarterback and they trade down, there are there are other guys in this top ten that you could possibly get later on this first round or even 
if you get a second round pick, guys that are going to be available at second. So that this is where my top 10 was specifically Bears focused and for what they need. In my, my opinion, their biggest need at receiver is going to be an X, a big, big X opposite of DJ Moore, who plays plays the Z and also maybe a, a slot guy. That's why your Malik Washington guy in, in, in that mock draft fits what, what I was looking at there as well. But uh, the, the X, the big receiver is what I was looking at. And when we go through my list, you'll see predominantly a lot of my guys are bigger guys. My top guy is Marvin Harrison Jr. Obviously a consensus All-American the last two seasons. The Blitnikoff Award winner this past year. Uh, you know, with, with Junior, you, you, talk, you talk about his physical appearance and, and his, his ability, you know, in terms of making plays at the football field. But, you know, he was targeted on uh, 36.4% of, of his routes. And, and he only had seven drops the last two seasons. So he's got ball security. Uh, you know, talk about size. That's, you know, 6'3, 6'4. Uh, you know, the ability to do the long arms, the big catch radius. You, you see, this is a guy that, that could beat press coverage at the line of scrimmage. He's a guy that, that can go ahead and make a plays uh, you know, on those contested balls thrown up in the air, 50 50 jump balls. Does a great job in terms of tracking the ball over his shoulder. You know, again, good hands being able to bring it up. To me, this is a, a, a and if the, it goes the way your mock goes, although that's going to be one heck of an offense you built there with DJ Moore on one side, you know. Uh, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. on one side, and, and, and then you have you know Justin Fields you know, potentially in the backfield, the quarterback, and now you bring in some other players, you know whether it's tight end or, or, or slot receivers. That's where you you know start building that offense and weapons. And I think he is is going to be the number one receiver in my opinion um, going off off the board. A lot of teams I know have him as a best player in the draft, no matter what position you talk about. Hmm. All right, at number two, this is a guy that Greg has been raving about for months now. And I've seen him play a number of times uh, because I, I love the lefty quarterback, Michael Penix. Roma Dunze is a excellent X choice. Right. Roma Dunze, the per typical X. Uh, this is a guy that led the nation receiving this past year with over, you know, 1,640 yards. Uh, you know, he's a guy that, that had 19 contested catches this past year, you know, converting 95% of those opportunities. Another guy that doesn't drop the ball, only three drops this past season. You know, he's he's a guy, you know, with that size, the length. You know, he's a guy that, that you know, is, is a tough physical receiver, a true X, if you will. All right. You know, he's a guy that, that's got terrific body control. He'll be able to contour his body's frame to be able to adjust. And again, long arms, big catch radius, can extend outside his frame and pluck the ball out of the air. Nice, natural, soft hands. Tough can catch through contact. This is one of the, the receivers that 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 to me is in terms of physical receivers. A guy that can go up there. You talk about back shoulder throws. This guy can make it. Talk about throwing up there. He's he's you know he's got a, a corner in his hip pocket. He can go up and catch the ball on top of his head. Uh, you know, a guy that uh, safety bearing down on him comes over his back. He can catch through contact. This is a guy that that does all those things that you want. And I think he'd be a, a sensational compliment to. A DJ Moore on the opposite side. And the other thing is, is this guy is is very good in terms of as a blocker as well. He's a hard nosed blocker. You know, we, we see a lot of these, you know, these, these receivers kind of just whiff or just kind of give a, a courtesy attempt at trying to block. But no, Medusa will get in there. He'll, he'll he'll extend his arms. He'll get a good base there and he'll lock out and he'll block for for his running backs and his uh, you know his, his counter his receivers down the field as well. So Adunze, I, I I just fear now that with at number nine, that that might be too low for him to, to drop down through. He is flying up a lot of teams' draft boards, so you know he might not be he might not be available there. What do you uh, think about what Jay Sanders is asking? He says, "Why Harrison over Adunze?" 
for me, Harrison gives you a little bit more in terms of explosiveness, right? He's a guy that that gets downfield, he's got a little bit more speed. I think Adunzik is going to run anywhere between a four-five-five, you know, four-seven. It's in that range, maybe a four-five-four. I think I think Harrison can can run a high four-four. So I think he gives you some of that production as well. Uh, but but I mean, it's very close, you know. Jay Sanders is very close. It's you know, if if, if the Bears happen to trade down and 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 you know they miss on MJH and they get Adunzik. Fine, because I think both guys would be perfect complements for for DJ Moore. So you know it's very close with those two guys. Do you like uh, Nomad's comp here, Odunze uh, and uh, Justin Jefferson? Actually, Nomad, I I kind of compare him to an Allen Robinson kind of Dante Adams. Uh, I'm sorry, Devontae Adams. That that's who I'm looking at at him. Oh, you know, in oh. terms of he's got to fell a little bit more. It's got to be a little bit more. You know, but as we're bulk to him. But I'm talking a guy that can that can you know be a guy that can get downfield again, make those contested catches. You know, and then eventually, um, you know, as he as he progresses in his career, become that that route runner that a Devontae Adams is. So I think that's more of my comp for him. I think Justin Jefferson gives you a little bit more speed than that on Dunze, but you know, in terms of size, ability to go up and make plays on the football, they both have that. But I just think Jefferson gives you a little bit more speed down the field. Very good. All right, let's look at number three. And here he is finally, Malik Neighbors uh, from yeah, LSU. And someone asked why he's number three. And and again, I'm just going based off of what the, the fits the Bears. And I think this kid, Malik Neighbors, First of all, he he is he is a guy that creates separation. He is a a twitch quick twitch athlete. Him off the line of scrimmage is is not funny for defensive backs. He can get you know cut get out you know with quick feet like okay, quick twitch good body control. He can explore off the line of scrimmage, get on that seam route and get deep. And, and a corner has no idea what happened. So his, his ability to create separation is is probably the best in this in this class here. But the reason he's number three, again, he's more of a Z for me. He's a guy that could play a Z and a slot, not a real true X, right? And then the other thing for me that that kind of knocked him down is he doesn't do a good job, in my opinion, in catching through contact. And he's a guy that, you know, you know, in terms of contested catches, he's not really up there. Uh, I think he only had like 10 contestant catches last year, uh, but he's he's a guy more that gets open, creates separation, and you can you can hit him. You hit him on a, on a on a certain slant or a certain route. This kid has his home run ability to take it all the way. So big play potential, average 17.6 yards a reception, 14 touchdowns last year. Again, consensus All-American, led the SEC in receptions with 72 in, 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 in the back-to-back years uh, in 2022 and 2023. Again, big play potential, creates that separation. But for me, the only thing it, that kind of knocks him is he's not a true X, and he's a guy that that really has struggles in, in, from what I've seen catching through contact. So physicality does bother him. Again, early on in his career, but but no doubt, talented athlete, special kid, and like again, creates con- creates separation almost instantly off the line of scrimmage. Um, Nomad comps him to DJ Moore and Jordan. Uh, what the hell did Jordan comp him to? Um, uh, Brendan Ayuk. So yeah, I can see I can see the Brendan Ayuk, you know, the, the explosive speed, the ability to get downfield, be able to create separation. But again, not a guy that, that you're gonna see going up and getting contested, you know, catches in between two defenders. So and that that's that's where I see Malik neighbors as well. So that, that's the thing, is like you know, but just because he's not an X, you don't pass up a talent if he's there if you're the Bears, right? Because you can always get X in if you're looking for an X, you get, get one in, in a second or third round. You know, because there's going to be guys in that second round range that might cover here that could be available and could be a true X for you. So, but again, you don't, if if, if the top two guys in Marvin Harrison Jr. or Donzi are gone, and neighbors are sitting there, I, I I would not pass them off because of the explosive ability he gives you opposite of DJ Moore. Doesn't fill that X need, 
But also, again, you can fill that need, whether it's free agency as a, as a veteran, or you can go get another white guy later on in this draft. All right. Let's look at number four. I've already seen his name up in the chat a number of times, and it's, of course, Brian Thomas Jr. out of LSU. Yeah, you, you watch these two LSU receivers, and no wonder Jane Daniels won the Heisman Trophy. I mean, I mean, this guy, talk about a, you know, a terrific combination of size, speed, and, and just length. He's got you know long arms, you know, arms like like tree trunks, they call them, you know, and, and possesses that quick feet, you know, the athletic twitch, uh, creates separation on, on go routes with his long strides and his speed. Um, you know, can also can sink his, sink his hips and separate on those quick hitting, you know, whip routes or, or hitch routes or, or comebacks. You know, soft hands, big catch radius can extend and, and, and go. You know, uh, outside his frame, reel in the catch. Again, I love guys with soft hands. Don't doesn't have to use his body to to corral the catch. Uh, big play potential every time this kid has has the ball in his hands. And again, he's a a guy that's going to come in about six three six four with deep deep speed. And he's a guy, again, big play potential. Another guy that doesn't, you know, shy away from contact in terms of when it comes to blocking. So I think that's why Brian Thomas Jr. is, is up there. And he, and he was overshadowed from most of his, you know, most of his uh, season because of Malik neighbors. But again, another guy that that's got that, that big play potential averaged, you know, 17.3 yards, a, a catch, uh, 17 touchdowns, you know, again, you know, 153.8% of his contested catches as well. So a guy that uses that body, uses that frame, uses that big catch radius to go up and, ma and make plays on the ball down the football field, but also has what I think is going to probably run a, a high 4-4 four four at the combine next week. Where would you put him on your draft list in terms of how high would you pick him? Would you pick him at nine? So, so if you're sitting at nine, and and I think nine might be a little bit too high. I think he's more in that 12 to 15, 17 range. Okay. Uh, I think that's where I be, just because he hasn't really done it for multiple seasons. He really had just one, that one great year last year. Uh, you know, he, the previous year only had 361 uh, yards, 300 receptions. So this is the the one big year he had. So I, I want to see him kind of do it, you know, multiple times for me to go and say, all right, this is a top 10 player. But just based off of athletic ability, the combination of size, speed, and athleticism, I think he's a, he's a you know, top 15 player for sure. Excellent. Now, this next guy, uh, maybe you can solve this uh, controversy that was going on in the chat room a few shows ago. Keon Coleman, how fast is this guy? Well, that's the thing is like on tape, he looks like he could, he could be a, it could be anywhere from a high 4-4 four, four to, to a low 4-5 guy, right? Okay. Um, mm -hmm. But again, a physical specimen. You know, this is a guy that that you know transferred from Michigan State, uh, you know, to to Florida State, uh, and, and you know started 12, 12 games, or I'm sorry, played twenty two games in Michigan State, started twelve games, was an All Big Ten uh, member in twenty twenty two, and went to Florida State this this past year. And just uh, to me, if he had a quarterback throughout the season, I think his number would be better. He, he finished with six hundred fifty eight yards, thirteen point two yard, you know, average with eleven touchdowns. But again, you're talking about if you want someone coming off the bus looking like a prototypical X receiver, this kid is it. Physical, chiseled, physique. Um, you know, he's a guy that that's got the height at six three, six four. Um, remember, you know, uh, Shane Waldron is the offensive coordinator now. He came from Seattle. He had a a, a, a physical freak, uh, a DK Metcalf as his ex. You know, this is you know he might not be as fast as DK Metcalf. He, not, he might not be as as filled on the upper party body as DK Metcalf, but he's definitely a guy that has that big play potential. Put on that Clemson tape. You see that his ability to go down and make plays on on the football. Again, another guy that can go up and make contested catches. You know, making you know uh, plucking the ball away from the defenders over their heads basically 
But on the LSU game, you saw him catch a slant, break a tackle, and then take it to the house. He's got that speed to run away from defenders, right? He's a guy that, you know, with his size and his length, can also break tackles after the catch and give you some of that yak you're looking for. So, again, mm -hmm. another nice comp. Now, he might not be as – route polish or as some of the other receivers in terms of his route running you know he's still got to be coached up there but the physical tools are there the, again the combination of size speed athletic ability jumping ability the ability to make you know contested catches down the field and again break away from defenders run away from defenders Keon Coleman has it. I've been high on this kid since since week one of, of, of coming into the season and I think this is a kid that just gonna get better and better again route running is not there yet he's got to get better there but he coaches kid up his potential is 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 through the roof basically Top twenty pick as uh, notorious TBG. That's that's a that's a good question because I think it all depends on what he runs. A lot of teams have the same question that you were talking about in the chat. You know, what is he? Is he a four six guy? Is he because there's times where you just don't see him kind of explore off the line of scrimmage and he's and he's I don't want to say you know, half assing it, but he, he doesn't go, it doesn't look like he's going at maximum speed and he looks like he's not running at maximum speed. And then the other time where you see him break a tackle and now he's heading down the field and he's running away from fast defenders and Clemson secondary, you know, or, or LSU secondary, you see that speed. So, you know, if he runs a four, four, I think he goes in the bottom half of the first round. And again, not, not all of this depend on, on the, on the 40 time, but because on your, on his tape, you see some elements of a guy that can run a four, four, but you also see sometimes like he can run like a four, five or four, six. And so you want to know where he's at, but again, he's a guy, I've heard like late, late first round, you know, teams on the, those playoff teams on the bottom there could, could look for a guy that could, they can come in and nurture again, not a finished product in terms of run running. You need some coaching there, but th that physical skill set is, is all there. And if, if he had put it all together in terms of route running and, and maybe play with a more consistent quarterback, I think he could, he could be, you know, top 20 for sure. The next guy on your list is the most intriguing guy because of his height and his speed. In fact, this guy, I, I messed up. This is the guy that was some discussion in the chat room about how fast he is. Some people are saying 4.25. Some people are saying 4.35. But number six is Xavier Leggett from uh, South Carolina. Yeah, this is a guy really, you know, I, I put on his tape and, and he really hadn't been you know, he was kind of nondescript in, in terms of his college career, you know, you know three-year starter, you know, started 32 of the three games he's played in, you know, has 113 career receptions, 15th all-time on, on, on the school list, average 26.4 yards per kickoff return. So he's got some kickoff ability, uh, but really broke off this, this last year and, and was a second team all SEC member and had over uh, 1,200 yards, 17.7 uh, yards average and seven touchdowns. And again, talk about a guy with hands only had two drops the entire season, um, he's a guy that physicality, he, he gives you that at six feet, 215 pounds. Now you're talking about four, two, I, I, he's not a four, two guy. And in, in my opinion, he's not a four, two guy. He's a guy that, that, you know, if he touches four, four, maybe four five is, is probably his range again, but physical guy that, that can, that can line up on the X can beat press coverage. I like the fact that at South Carolina, they use them at multiple positions. Do you see him lined up as a Z as the X in the slot, even in the backfield? And he, that versatility, you know, shows you that he's a guy that, that can be positioned everywhere or anywhere on, on, on the, on the offense. So I think that's what he, you, know, you like about him. Um, went to the senior bowl, had a couple of drops early on in the week and then, but then turned it on and you saw some of that competitive toughness, that football competitiveness, if you will, in him. And he kind of turned on the rest of the weekend and you saw him kind of, you know, put up and, and by the time the, the week was up, you know, the, the, whoever his agents or told me, hey, man, 
you're good. You don't have to, you don't have to practice. You don't have to play anymore. So he, he called it in, you know? So I think he's a guy that, again, physically he's got that ability. He's got the hands again, only two drop passes his entire, entire past season, a guy that can catch through contact, a guy that can, you know, get downfield as well. Um, you know, but he's not a four two guy. If that's what you're, that's what you're asking. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, uh, a comment here from, uh, oh, where was it? Darn it. Um, Notorious. It's a great question. Do we know what type of wide receiver Shane Waldron, the wide receiver coach, uh, Chris Beatty, that the profile of the wide receivers, is it the same that we had under Getze? Do you want the big X? You want, you know, the DJ Moore type at the other uh, wideout spot? What are the, the profiles for, for this Shane Waldron offense? So we just got to go from, from where he came from, right? So Getze came from Obviously, I'm a floor, but I think Getsy just ran a system. I don't think Getsy really incorporated or put the system in together, right? And so I think mm-hmm. what Getsy wanted, I, obviously, he wanted guys that can block, and that's why Equinemia St. Brown was on was on this roster. Uh, from he brought him from, from from Green Bay. So, but but he but he wants guys in terms of Shane Waldron. If you go back to what McVeigh does, who, who he learned under, you know, he's got the he's got the Z with with Cooper Cup. He's got the big X, whether it's Ben Skoranek or he had Van, uh, Van Jefferson out there. You know, he's got the, the little guy with. Tutu Atwell. He's got Puka Nakua now, another guy that can be interchangeable between the slot and, and the Z and, and so on and so forth. So you want guys that are interchangeable, but you do need a big guy. You need a, a big X receiver. And I think the Bears didn't have a big X receiver unless you count, you know, it can only see Brown as an X receiver, which I, I don't, you know, I don't think he, you know, he's, he's a really good X receiver. But uh, anyway, so they didn't have that big guy in the outside. So I think you do need that. Now, you're not, again, if you see a guy sitting at you with talent, like a neighbors, for example, who's not an X, not traditional X, or maybe even, even uh, Xavier Leggett, who you could play X, but might be better as, as a Z or, or even in the slot. You know, you, you can't pass those guys up because you can always maybe get one in free agency. You can also get one in later on in the draft. So, but for me, it's, it's, if he wants, he wants a big guy and the X on the outside. He wants a Z, which he has a Z in terms of DJ Moore. You, you want a slippery, you know, quick slot guy. You know, we could get one in this draft. You could get one in free agency. You know, there, there's talk about maybe Tyler Lockett being a, a free, you know, a cap casualty in Seattle. That could be a guy who's familiar with the system, could be a slot guy here in Chicago. Who knows? We'll see. But, you know, if, if what you have right now, you think maybe like a, a, a the, the kid from Cincinnati, the fourth round pick, Tyler Lockett would be, you know, your guy there. I'm sorry, Tyler Scott would be your guy in, in, in the slot there. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But you want to, you want a big guy in the X, you want to, you want a Z and you want a slot. And then you also want one guy that's interchangeable players that can, that can play multiple slots uh, in terms of the, the receiver position. So, but you got to have that big guy, in my opinion. Very good. Um, number seven on your list is a guy whose last name we know well because he's a Hall of Famer, maybe the greatest receiver of all time. His son, Brendan Rice, out of USC. Yeah, I've been talking about Brendan Rice since you know uh, the beginning of the Senior Bowl, and and I just I wanted him to to kind of go out there and show me something at, at the Senior Bowl, and he did. And 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 because when you put on Caleb Williams tapes, and all you see is is Brendan Rice making plays downfield, you know, you know, beating corners who are in, in their hip pocket. You see that extra that extra burst, extra speed to go ahead and get that over the top leverage. And again, you talked about his pedigree. You know, father is Jerry Rice, and he's a guy that played at Colorado initially, then transferred over to SC, you know uh, USC. You know, he's a highly decorated you know prep star out of Arizona. Played basketball, also ran track. You know, it had a 10.78 uh, time in, in 100 meters, right? So again, this is a guy that 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 gives you a big body at 6'2", 200 pounds, but and also soft hands. A guy that can that can utilize his his size and, and be able to you know either you know get in on those in cutting routes, you know extend out, 
uh, away from his frame, you know, make those catches. But also what I wanted to see, I wanted to see a little bit more of a little more dog in him. Right. And I want to see some, him just kind of go out there and say, you know what, this is, this is me. I'm that guy. I'm him. And in the senior bowl, I saw that. I saw corners coming up and talking trash to him. And he went out and one-on-one would score on them and come right back and jaw at them. So I wanted to see that out of Brendan Rice. And then, again, the, the tape tells it all. You put on his tape and you watch you watch Caleb Williams going to him all the time. You see him. I like the fact that he, when, he, when he sees his quarterback in trouble, he'll come back to the quarterback, make himself available. Does a good job of, of finding that hole in the, in, the zone, in the zone defense, sitting down, and again, being a target, a nice target for his quarterback to get to. So I, he's not going to be high on a lot of other, a lot of, um, a lot of other uh, you know, evaluators' uh, list, but because of, of the fact that I like the, the, the tenacity the dog he showed over at the Senior Bowl, I like the ability to get deep. You see him, again, I talked about earlier, uh, there's a corner in his hip pocket, and you see he's got that extra gear to kind of put it in in, in, in that second gear, and then it gets over the top leverage, and he makes plays down the football field. Again, nice job of looking the ball in over his shoulder. Um, so I got give you that big play potential along with that size. I think this is a guy that, that just kept getting better and better and better throughout the process. Now, Speed is another thing with him. We talked about he's got a track background. You know, if he goes out there and runs a 4-6, that's really going to hurt him. But I think what he did at the Senior Bowl is – and the other thing that hurts him is he hasn't created much separation. He's not a guy that – like a Malik Neighbors that's got that quick twitch and is going to, you know, be three, four, five yards open because of just his natural athletic ability. He's more of a guy, again, catches through contact, you know, uses that deep speed to, to you know, to beat the corner down the field. And, again, a nice awareness and be able to sit in zones, find openings, and be available for – for your quarterback. I think that's where he sticks out for me. And if you're going to draft Caleb Williams, might as well bring one of his, his top receivers here. I'll make him comfortable too. So I think that's a ni nice way to, to kind of, you know, ingrain both of them here in Chicago, but that's not the reason why he's not in my top 10. I just, I just like his skill set. I love the pedigree. I love, I love the, 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 the way he's gotten better in my opinion from, from his USC tape to, you know, to the, to the senior bowl. And hopefully now he continues that at, at the combine and goes on forward. Muck Muck says that Rice, uh, his route running is a little sloppy. That's what he's detected. Have you seen that? Or could that be perhaps because there's so much improv improvisation by these uh, wide receivers with Caleb running all over the place? No, I don't think it's sloppy. I just think he he's not a guy that creates much separation. So you might not see him create you know, openings and be wide open as, as some of the other receivers you'll see here. But I, I don't think he's, he's a sloppy runner. I just think he doesn't create much separation. He utilizes more of that 6'2", 200 body frame, the, the long reach, the reach, you know, the long reach, the wingspan. And again, that deep speed, that that track background to be able to go deep and, and, and get a guy, even though the corner is in his hip pocket, have that gear to get past him and, and make a play down the football field. Very good. All right. Uh, a lot of people have been mentioning this person's name in the chat. And Danny has him at number eight, Adane Mitchell. Yeah, Adane Mitchell. I mean, th these Texas guys are are, are some some heck of an, heck of athletes, right? And then Adane Mitchell is another guy that that's that's a physical receiver, 6'3", 190 pounds. You know, was overshadowed a little bit by by you know Xavier Worthy, who's who's we're going to talk about next. But again, a, a guy that that you know started his collegiate career at, at Georgia. You know, uh, played twenty one games, fifteen starts, so a big SEC conference, thirty eight receptions. 560 yards and seven touchdowns at Georgia, transferred to Texas in the spring of 2023. Uh, you know, played just one year at at, uh, at Texas. But again, he's a guy that's physical. He's a guy that likes to go up and get the football. Um, you know, he's got the uh, – I'm, I'm curious to see what he jumps in terms of his vertical, right? He comes in at 6'3", 190. I think he could be in that 40-inch vertical range. The, the way he goes up and he attacks the football. And I love the aggression with him. Terrific hands. 
Only one drop past the entire season. So he's a guy that's a reliable, um, a guy that, that can go across the middle, has no fear, tough competitor. He's emotional. He was fearless. And again, the guy that, that brings that attitude, brings that dog mentality. Uh, again, you like the size. I like the twitchy athletic ability he shows uh, and, and when, he, when he's out there. Uh, quickness, you know, along with good buildup speed to get, get open. You know, can track and, and reel the ball in over his shoulders, can make those catches, um, you know, can go out and, and again, make contested catches when he's when he's pretty much covered. Uh, tough competitor, you know, will go go over the middle, again, with no fear whatsoever. Um, and I know, a tough blocker, a guy that can go out there on the edge and, and give you some 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 blocking to give, you know, set up your running backs in terms of, you know, stealing off that edge or even, you know, giving your, if it's a screen play or something like that, giving that the receiver that gets the ball an opportunity to get upfield because he out there he's blocking again. Only one drop pass last year. Good hands, and again, this is a guy that athletically, with that combination of of, of athletic ability, hands, and again, just that ferocity, that competitive nature. I think he's a guy that that a lot of teams are high on. Very good. Good report on uh, Donnie Mitchell. Uh, a lot of people talking about Xavier Worthy, your number nine pick. Uh, yeah, so Texas this is a guy. Yeah, this is a guy that that is not a a um, a X receiver, right? He's more of that fast twitch, you know, speed guy. Now, you know, six feet, one fifty five. He is slim. He is thin. He's got to add weight, so he's not a guy that I would put on the outside. To, he probably won't be able to get off of press coverage. But what he gives you, he gives you that big play potential, right? He's a guy that that has you know 40 career punt returns for 564 yards, 14.1 average, and a touchdown. So it gives you some of that ability in terms of as a returner. Now, a lot of times at Texas, they got the ball in his hands on you know jet sweeps, on on little you know quick hitting screens. Again, you want to take advantage of his ability to make you miss in the open field, take advantage of some of that punt return ability he's got. But what this guy has, you can't deny it, is big play potential in terms of his speed. And I, and I got his hands are a little bit shaky here and there. You see a couple of concentration drops, but I think that's something that you can you can work with, you can coach up and get out of them. But in terms of big play potential, predominantly out of the slot, could also potentially develop into a nice Z option as well down the line. But I think this is a guy in the slot that you give you that speed, that 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 big play element that the Bears don't currently have on offense. <laughs> Nomad said that Worthy will turn off a light, light switch and be in bed before it gets dark. Good stuff. All right, and then now uh, number 10, I was a little surprised to see this guy on your top 10 list from uh, Washington, Jalen Polk. Yep, another guy that another guy is just like Brendan Rice. A lot of guys won't be talking about this guy, but I was watching the uh, Roma Aduze tape, and this number two guy just making plays. You know, hmm. it, whether it's diving, you know, for a ball, or whether it's it's just you know getting out and, and just you know being aggressive with, with the football in his hands. And you know, a six one one ninety. He's a red shirt sophomore. Uh, this is his fourth season. Was overshadowed obviously by by his, by some of his teammates on offense. But had over you know had sixty nine receptions of eleven hundred fifty nine yards. Uh, average almost 17 yards of reception and had nine touchdowns, right? This is a guy that you put on his tape and you just, you, you cannot help but keep your eyes on him. You know, he brings what I call that dog mentality. This is a guy that if the ball's in his, in his aerial code, he's going to go up and get it, right? He's a guy that's got long arms. Again, a guy that, that'll dive in the middle of the football field, extend, doesn't care about, you know, who, if there's a safety bearing down on him, doesn't care about anything else. He will go after that football and he'll make the catch. And he's got quickness. He's, he's explosive off the line of scrimmage. 
the only thing about him is, is his running is, is, is atrocious. He's a guy that needs to get coached up in terms of being able, a, a competent NFL route runner. But, you know, other than that, you know, he's a guy that, you know, got competitive nature in him, that football toughness in him. Again, the guy that can go across the middle, has no fear, and, and is just an emotional leader. And like I said, he's got that dog mentality. You know, he's, 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 a, he's a dude, like we call him scouting, a guy that, that will – I, you know, rally, you know, his teammates will rally around him. And he's a guy that, that can, if offense is, is stalling and he'll make a big play and a first down. And next thing you know, gets the hype, the, the crowd hyped up, gets his teammates hyped up. He's just not that type of player. And again, you, the way he has, again, he's got explosive ability to be able to get over the top leverage, reels in the ball nicely over, over his shoulders. You know, a big catch radius. It's got, got the long arms, soft hands, can pluck it out of the air as well. I just, the more I watch him, I just, there's no way I could say I, I could leave this guy off my top 10 because, he is a guy that watched a couple years down the line. Everybody's going to be like, Jalen Polk, how did his kid end up, you know, round two, round three? He's going to be somewhere in that in that range. But if he goes out there and he blazes a 4-4 four, four at the combine, I think that Jesus is going to keep going up high and higher. But keep an eye on Jalen Polk from Washington. I, I was watching Odozi, but this kid just kept popping on tape for me. And I'm like, this kid is a player. He's got that dog mentality. Again, needs to be refined in terms of his route running. But man, that that natural talent, that competitive toughness, that 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 want to in terms of you know uh, going after the football toughness. Again, another guy will get in there and get his nose dirty and block. Uh, I love that kid. Gotta love it. Uh, great list, and there are probably another 10, 15 wide oh, yeah. receivers that we could talk yeah, about. It was, hard. it was hard for me because I was supposed to get this last year in the morning, and I'm like, man, who do I leave off? I mean, there, there's Ricky Pierce off from Florida, who I like a lot. There's Troy, Troy Franklin from. From Oregon, I like a lot. You know, Tez Walker from from North Carolina, a guy that was you know had some drops at, at the Senior Bowl, but he's got another guy that's got that size of length to be able to get down a football field. You know, Roman Wilson, the slot receiver from Michigan. You know, um, you know, Lad McConkey, who was the talk of the Senior Bowl in terms of his ability to to get open in the slot. You know, that guy that's got you know solid size and, and good hands. You know, there's a ton of receivers. You know, mm-hmm. Todd Washington is is a guy that day three is going to be. I I love another another SC receiver. You know, a smaller, you know, shorter guy, but again, guy plays hard. You know, big, bigger than his size, has that competitive toughness. Uh, you know, those are guys that that you know you're gonna get in the, the later round. So I'm saying like this draft is a good draft for the Bears to go ahead and fill. Like I said, at least two probably you know slots on the receiving core from from this draft, and then probably go and, and complement that with a with one or two veteran free agents as well. KK wants to know uh, Worthy and Coleman are the only two punt returners. Who else you think could do it in the NFL from those names that you just mentioned? Well, Leggett has, has got kickoff return ability. He hasn't had much in terms of punt return ability, but I mean, you, you can find guys. You know, we talked about Malik Washington. You know, the, the guy you mentioned in, in your in your um, your mock. You know, he's a guy that, that can have some return ability as well. You know, uh, you know, Taj Washington was was returning some punts in at the at the East West Shrine game as well. So you know, there, there's going to be there's going to be guys that, that 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 you can get later on if you wanted to bring him in just for specific for for special teams purposes. Jay Sanders is asking to, uh, for you to remind him how you ranked. Uh, Tyler Scott a year ago. Yeah, Tyler Scott for me was a fifth round pick last year. He was a guy that that brought you that big play element, a guy from the slot, give you that speed. Uh, a little bit disappointing season, in my opinion. I, th- I thought he was going to have a better impact, a bigger impact. Uh, hopefully, you know, a, a year, you know, with with the new coaching staff, with with you know Chris Beatty now, kind of, you know, hopefully better than what they had here previously. It gets that, that second year. You see that usually we see those jumps from rookies from first year to second year. Hopefully, he takes that jump. And again, there right now he's going to be counted upon to be one of the, the three receivers. So. Um, they go ahead and, and make these draft picks or bring in, bring in federal free agents. 
and Valus is his career with the with the Bears is over, right? In my opinion, it's been over for about a year and a half now. I mean, the guy can't <laughs> return punts, he can't return kickoffs. He's not trusted as a, as a route runner. I mean, he does a good job on, on jet sweeps and, and, and as a running back sometimes, but I mean that that's not enough to waste a third round pick on him and even keep a roster spot. Yeah. All right, uh, Danny talked earlier about the release of Eddie Jackson, and so one of the things I wanted to look at was the list of the top ten or so free agent safeties, so we could comment a little bit about them and and then maybe talk about philosophy because Danny and Jordan should be on here to debate this with you. Danny is not high on drafting safeties early in like. Probably not until day three. Is that fair to say, Danny? Yeah, I mean, depending on, on, on where you're at in terms of how many draft picks you have and all that stuff. But, you know, for me, it's it's always talked up front. If your defensive mm-hmm. line is not good and your second and your front seven is not good, you know, you can you can have all pro safeties back there. It doesn't make a difference, right? And then, and then I think the big debate went, goes back to when Jaquan Briscoe was, was picked in the second round. I think, you know, he's been a good player, but – has he been special? Has he has he been done anything that that's done made you say, all right, you know, the Bears defense rotates around Jaquan Brisker? I mean, up, up until they got Montez Sweat, that defense sucked, right? So what happened? They got Montez Sweat up front, a guy that can get pressure at the quarterback. That made the other interior guys get better. They made the the the, the, the linebackers get better because of one defensive guy like up front. So Jaquan Brisker didn't didn't make any impact on that defensive line. It was or on that defense as a whole. It was the guys up front, and again, for me, Brisker still takes bad angles at, at, on on some some run plays in terms of you know guys that third year still you know not really that great in terms of his his, his ability to secure tackles. You know, make some plays here and there. I think he's got more dropped interceptions than he actually has interceptions, so it doesn't take the ball away. You know, if he makes a big play, makes a great you know great hit, he's down on the ground for a couple a couple you know, missed a couple plays. So again, that pick, while some some might celebrate as, as a good player. He's not hasn't really he's not an impact player for me, right? He's just not a guy that that and so that's why for me, safeties are the last of my concerns, right? If my front seven are good, they get pressure on 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 the on the quarterback. If my corners are good, my safeties they have to be just have to be athletic and smart, and be able to be in the right place and the right time and sure tacklers. That's what I'm looking for. Uh Jordan says Danny, the coverage sets the rush plan, and it's not the other way around. If you if you if you guys are not getting to the to the quarterback, I don't care who's back there covering. You're not you're not gonna whatever the rush plan is. If it does does not, if the guys cannot get to the quarterback, that that opposite quarterback is gonna have time and he's gonna throw. And we saw it. We saw it. this defense was was nothing until Montez Sweat came onto this came onto the front here. I my feeling about the safety position is that it is more important than ever in the history of the NFL. You're asking safeties now to play the free safety position, to play in the box, to guard the slot receiver, to play linebacker. You're asking safeties now to do more than ever before. So you need a smart player back there. You need a physical guy back there. You need a guy who has presence back there that the defense fears he will help make the pass rush better, just like the pass rush will help the defensive backs uh, be better. So it, it, to me, it, this is to, it's a no-brainer. Defensive backs in today's NFL are are gold. You can't Corners. get enough of them. Corners, Corners and safeties, because safeties in many schemes, they're asked to go one-on-one with a wide receiver. And, who, who and that flexibility, DCs love that flexibility. Who, who are the safeties on, on the 49ers? Can you get name them? Um, well, one of them was the guy that Bears cut, Tashawn Gibson. The other guy was yeah. I don't know who because because uh, uh, Tua Funga, who was a fourth round pick by the way, was was out on IR. 
who are the safeties on on the Chiefs who are the second best defense and won the Super Bowl? Mm -hmm. Mike yeah, Edwards well, round pick and it was cut by by the Bucks. And I can't even. Yeah. I mean, I can't another other safety on, on on the Chiefs. I see that. That's that's a straw man's argument. That anytime people bring that up, well, who was on the Super Bowl champion or the conference championships? Maybe if they had a better safety, a more memorable safety, they would have won the Super Bowl. So you know, I, I don't think you can use that argument. I can throw you names of great safeties who have made huge differences on their team. Uh, just because some teams that win don't have a great safety doesn't negate the argument that they are more needed than ever before. But um, we could talk about this for days and maybe when Jordan comes on the show, you two guys should debate it because it'll be much more interesting coming from him than my ugly mouth. Uh, let's take a look at the free agent safeties. The, the first two guys, oops, that's the wrong list. Uh, the first two guys are probably going to get franchise tagged, according to reports that I've read. And that's Antoine Winfield Jr., uh, who I love with the Tampa Bay Bucks. This guy was forcing fumbles, creating interceptions, guarding guys one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, 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 the uh, Todd Bowles, the head coach of the uh, Bucks, and who runs that defense, had him blitzing, was just using him as a, a jack-of-all-trades. Unfortunately, because the franchise tag for safeties is lower than, you know, paying for a top safety. It's kind of a no brainer that he will not be available. And the same could be said for Xavier McKinney. Now, as you get down this list, we start talking about guys who could likely be available. Geno Stone with the Ravens. What are your thoughts about him? Yeah. Geno Stone uh, uh, came out of Iowa a uh, hard-nosed player was primarily a special teams guy, and then last year he got got kicked into into um, into um, action and, and turned up with seven interceptions. Uh, I, I believe he led, uh, or didn't lead. He was one of the, the top interceptor last year, so I think he's going to look into cash in on, on that. And I think that's something that might be, and in, in my opinion, might be too rich for, for the Bears to to go ahead and, and, and invest there. But he's a guy that's about, about six feet. You know, doesn't have the, the great size. Again, had a one season last year with with seven interceptions. Prior to that, he was just basically a special teams guy. So um, right. the, the guy that I had actually circled on here. I'm sorry if you want to go. No, ahead. no, no. Please go ahead. Please. A couple of guys I circled on here as, as guys that, again, since I don't want to pay a lot of money to safeties, I, I want guys that are relatively young, relatively solid guys in terms of coverage, in terms of you know making plan of football, and also being good secure tacklers. And Cameron Curl is a guy from Washington. I think would, would be a guy that you know six two one ninety eight, only twenty four years old, will be twenty five when the season starts. But he was a seventh round pick in the twenty twenty draft. You know, he's got he started 53 games for Washington. He had three interceptions in his career. All actually came in that, that rookie rookie campaign. He's got a one pick six, got 14 passes defense, a forced fumble, five sacks, and 15 tackles for loss. I think he's a guy that could be interchangeable if you're talking about Jaquan Brisker and himself, and a guy that can drop back into coverage. Doesn't give you the range that some of the other guys you might have on this list, like a Cha Chauncey Garner Johnson or even in Winfield Jr. But a, a guy that could be a solid, you know, a guy that again, 25 years old. I want to pay for what he could, you know, his production upcoming, not for what he's done in the past. So I think that's a guy that I, I, if the Bears are looking for a safety and free agency, that's a guy that I could maybe circle and earmark there as a potential target. Mm. And I, I think that uh, this kid Cameron Curl could be a value pick. He, he was a seventh rounder, and he right. slowly worked his way up. So um, makes my uh, point, right? Right, seventh round pick and, and starter. Yes, yeah, exactly. Kyle Duger, we watched him down in Mobile at the at the Super Bowl. He was one of Jim Nagy's favorites. Um, I, I like him, and I like Jeremy Chin, although his pro career hasn't been as good as 
as I expected it would be. What are your thoughts on Chin? Yeah, Duggar, I, I was a guy that I know, uh, a small school guy. I, I wasn't really high on, on his coverage ability coming out of, out of college. And I think, you know, he went second round. I had him, Adam's a third round, fourth round guy. He went second round by Bill Belichick, and hence why Bill Belichick's drafts are, are one of the worst. So I, I, I'd say he's a guy, that, again, he's a guy that, that might get, you know, a little bit more than what I want, even though I, I'm not really interested in Kyle Duggar. Uh, Jeremy Chin is a guy that, that you know, I think talk about a guy that played all over the, the field for, for Carolina. Was a guy that could line up at linebacker, a line up at safety, a strong safety. Uh, again, he might be a guy that, you know, I think he has some some injury concerns. Correct me if I'm wrong there, missed a couple games. So I think he's falling on paper. Again, I'm not sure how much he'll give you in terms of coverage. Um, you know, Darnell Savage is, is a guy that obviously, you know, here with the Packers, um, you know, he kind of fell out of favor there as well. More of a, more of a, a, a you know, Eddie Jackson type, the guy that, that can, you know, uh, make some plays on the ball, but not really a good tackler. Julian Blackman, obviously Chauncey Garner Johnson's a guy I wanted last year, but you know coming mm-hmm. off the Achilles and all that stuff, or was it Achilles or was it a shoulder? I forgot which injury that knocked him off for most of the season. But he's a guy that I think that's kind of priced himself out of that out of that range. But Julian Blackman, another kid that I like coming out of college, um, out of Utah, uh, six feet, 202, 25 years old. Again, we're getting a guy that's going to hit the you know peak of his career, his prime. Third round pick, uh, you know, by the Colts. Started 46 games in the career. Set seven interceptions, 17 pass defense. He was got a pick six, two forced fumbles, a sack, and 12 tackles for loss. So I think he's a guy. Again, I want to see a guy that can make plays on the ball. I think Blackman and, and Curl are, are guys, young guys, up and coming guys that I think could, you know, uh, f- potentially fill that for that that void left by Eddie Jackson if they decide to go the the veteran free agent route. Right. Would you invest uh, ten to twelve million dollars? Ask J2K on a guy like Julian Blackman. J2K, that's a tough question because because I would like to get him under ten million if I can. Uh, but it all depends on what the market is out there, right? So so I, I obviously you know you talked about Antoine Winfield Jr. and that's that's a that's a rare breed at safety, Aldo, because again he went in the second round. He was you know he wasn't a first round guy either, but he's a guy that plays corner slot corner he can like you said he can play the guy that's aggressive in terms of around the line of scrimmage can play some linebacker for you can drop back in coverage he's a ball hawk so that's a different kind of player right than than some of the other guys we've talked about here the briskers and all the other guys that are coming up so uh but again so he's off the he's off he's the only guy there that i would pay that amount of money for is antoine winfield jr but like you said he's going to be franchise tagged by the buccaneers he ain't going anywhere yeah um what about uh, in the draft? Are there any safeties that you really like a lot? I know you haven't had a chance to delve into them, but based on what you know at this point, you know, like I like Tyler Newbin out of Minnesota. I saw him play a, a number of games this year. Super impressed with this, but he even might not be the best one. I'm, I'm forgetting who else is out at safety. That well, there's Cameron Yeah, you have from Miami in, in your mock draft, and then there's, oh, that's there's, right. Uh, um, I think it's Bullard from from uh, from Georgia as well. Georgia, Georgia. Yeah, I think th- those are the top three consensus right now. Yeah, I haven't really dug into the to the safety uh, position yet, but I mean, I mean, Cameron Kitchens. Obviously, we talked about earlier. I like the fact that he's got ball hawking skills. Eleven interceptions in the last two years. Fifteen pass defense. You know, Tyler Newby. You mentioned him. You know, I, I love his size. At at six one, six two. You know, two hundred plus pounds. Another guy has got ball hawking ability. At thirteen interceptions you know, over his career. You know, eleven pass defense. You know, three forced fumbles. So you know, those are guys that. You know, that top two guys that kind of come to the top of mind here in terms of um, you know, the safety rankings. But, yeah, as we, as we dig more into the safety, I'll, we'll probably you know, bring some more up here on upcoming podcasts and we'll talk about it because, obviously, that, that is a need now for, for the Bears. I, I think you know, 
with Elijah Hicks, I think he's a guy that, that's a that's a depth guy. You know, he's a, he was a seventh round pick a couple years ago. I don't think he's a guy that can that can come in and really take over as a full time starter. So I think they do need to go and fill that spot. Like I said, if it's a veteran free agent, I would like to have someone that's young and up and coming and, and keep that salary to a minimum. Because again, you still have holes up front. You still need an edge rusher. You still need a defensive tackle, a three technique inside. Whether that's going to come from the draft or free agency, we'll see where and what's going to happen. But again, I got to get I got to fill my 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 front seven holes first before I go invest big money on the safety. Indeed. Um, strong safeties and free safeties now are interchangeable. It's almost right. not necessary to, to list them differently uh, uh, in most cases. It's what, what the player does best, right? Like, like Brisker for me is, is better up at the line of scrimmage. He's a, he's a, mm-hmm. he's a good blitzer. He's a guy that, that you know, in, in terms of he likes the physicality. You know, unfortunately, he gets nicked up a lot. But, you know, he's a guy that, that's better at the line of scrimmage. Eddie Jackson was more that guy that dropped back. And, and just unfortunately with, with the injuries, I think he lost some of his range. It wasn't, you know, wasn't the speed wasn't there as it was before. And obviously the, the, the playmaking ability didn't, didn't kind of, you know, kind of come back with from, from what it was in 2018. So I think you're looking for more of a guy that, that can be back there a, a second, you know, a, a, a half the field safety, maybe a guy that can play some, some you know, single high safety, a guy that's got some range, sideline, sideline. But again, a guy that can make a play on the football, have some ball skills, but also be smart and know when and where to, to break and, and get, take good angles up to the, to the running back if he's coming up in run defense. And not afraid to tackle. <laughs> That's a Chicago Bear staple. I, I mean, thought hey, Jackson was going to give you a heart attack that one year. <laughs> I think I did get a heart attack. That's why I was in the hospital. <laughs> um, okay, a uh, couple, uh, a few questions I want to get to here before I get you out of here. Um, let's see. We'll start with Jason. He said, he says, I sure hope they pay and lock up Jalen Johnson. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's, it was a promise basically by the general manager, Ryan Poles, that Jalen's going to come back. So they'll probably put the tag on him. Right. Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think they're going to go ahead and, and sign him to long-term if that's what you're looking for, Jason. I think, I think they're going to tag him and I think they're going to, he's going to play the one year on the tag and, and see what happens. Uh, you know, Jalen can make it uncomfortable for Ryan Poles and company by, by you know, by saying he's not going to report or he's not going to play on a tag. You know, so far all I've heard that that he'll accept the tag, uh, but Jalen now is, is is gone from I'll just want a good, you know, respectable, you know, top ten salary to now I want to break the bank, I want to break the market in terms of being the highest paid corner. And and, and I love Jalen and I love him come out of Utah and, and and I love the the way he plays the game. And but up until this past year, his, you know, he only had one interception. And I, I and he, he dropped. He had four this past year, and he's dropped. I think four or five. You know, this you know last couple of seasons. So, you know, I, I, you know, is Jalen Johnson a shutdown corner? You know, in my opinion, he's not a shutdown corner. He's a good corner, very good corner, right? He's a Pro Bowl corner, but he's not a Daryl Rivas in his prime. He's not a you know a Deion Sanders in his prime. He's not a shutdown corner. So to, to set the the market and pay him twenty one, twenty two million dollars a year. That to me is is a it's is too rich and it's too steep. So I believe the franchise tag is around was it eighteen million if I'm not mistaken. All I think it's eighteen. Yes. So I think one year and that and just just kind of like let's see what happens. And again, you drafted you know Tyreek Stevenson in the, in the second round. You drafted you know uh, Terrell Smith in the fifth round. Uh, both kids you know acquitted themselves. Well, Stevenson got off to a rough start. I was I was hard on him, but you saw him get better. And you know and one of the reasons why I think it is is a um, um, a tip of the hat to John Hoke, who is one of the better defensive back coaches in, in the NFL. He was here with Lovey Smith, and he, you know, Ibrahim's bottom back. I think you saw Stevenson get better, and by the end of the season, you know, Stevenson was was you know jumping routes, making interceptions, making you know, make things happen. So I think with Stevenson, with Smith, 
Again, you got Carla Gordon there, who I think is best on the outside, but, you know, he, he played well last year as, as a nickel. So you got those three young guys there. You know, you can go out and draft another one this year if you want, maybe bring in a veteran in terms of some depth. But, you know, if, 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 you, if a push came to shove and, and Jalen Johnson's making things uncomfortable, I think I could see the Bears trading him. They don't want to trade him. I think that what they, I mean, what they want to do, they want to sign him, but they want to sign him to a reasonable contract. And it just doesn't look like they're going to come to terms on that, that aspect. But I think tagging him, realistically tagging him, having a play on that tag for one year is probably the way they're going to go. You know, I agree with your assessment on Jalen Johnson, although uh, sort of what Nomad uh, said, they're at a point in the season, and I think it was around the time that he came up with his first uh, pick six of his career and that monkey was off his back. All of a sudden, he started to look like a shutdown corner, and and I think the presence of Montez Sweat helped a lot, and and the fact that Kyler Gordon also played strongly in the second half of the season. So, you know, this whole secondary of the Bears right now, that's probably a position that you really don't have to draft. uh, unless you are looking for Jalen's successor, if in the third round, you know, hey, this guy could be Jalen's successor. Let's franchise tag Jalen Johnson, and then ha- and this guy will take over in, in year two. But for the most part, I don't, I don't think that you we need to add a cornerback to this team. What do you think? No, I, I think I think if Jalen stays, I, th- I think you're you're set there with with Smith and and Stevenson and and you know Jalen and obviously you have you know uh, I think Jalen Jones is as the as a fourth corner there as well. So I, th- I think you're set there, right? And you just just fortify that that again that that, that defensive line and the front seven guys. But so I don't think you need that. But if it comes to a point where Jalen's making things uncomfortable and, and he's and he's saying he's not gonna he's gonna hold out, he's not gonna play, and right. a team comes and says, all right, we'll give you a second round pick, you know, the pick that did you lost for Montez Sweat, for example, and maybe even more. Who knows? Um, if you're if you're you know, Ryan Poles, you got to pull a trigger on that because if you're not going to pay the kid, might as well you know send him to a team that's going to pay him, recoup some draft capital. Then you can draft you know a, a corner that can come in and again, Terrell Smith acquitted himself well. You know he, he has to stay healthy, obviously, but you know he acquitted himself well. Uh, and and obviously you know Tariq Stevenson got better, and you got Kyle Gordon, so you got three young guys there. At a fourth guy there, you have Jalen Jones, and now you can maybe you know again fortify the front with some of these other draft capital stuff. And then you, you can you can live with with those those cornerbacks, and you can go ahead and trade Jalen Johnson if he's going to make things uncomfortable for you playing on the franchise tag. Former Bears head coach Dave Wanstad said the Bears should consider moving Tyreek Stevenson to the safety position because of his physical style of play, and he's got the body type for it. What are your thoughts on that potential? Yeah, I agree. I, I think I think down the road. Once Tyreek Stevenson gets gets into his, his career, I think that's a position that he, swap he could do. I think he's got the physicality. I think I think he's that's a probably position that he probably was going to probably excel in, in my opinion. Uh, but I think just coming off of the, that second half of last year, I mean, you know, he had a you know pretty good turnaround there, and I think he he would be a guy that I would not move now. Uh, if you ask me to do it next season, I, I wouldn't do that. I would just like to see what he does there at, at corner. Um, but yeah, I mean that's the same thing that I remember with Peanut Tillman. Like the whole talk was he's going to move to safety eventually. He's going to move safety, and he never wanted to do it, and he never did it. So you know, I'm not saying that he's going to be Peanut Tillman, but I'm saying like coming off of last year, the second half, where he's making plays, he's making big plays, he's making tackles. You know, the guy Stevenson again, another guy would just lower his head and, and just get stingers and, and just get concussions, and so that's another concern there as well. But uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but he acquitted himself well in the second half, and I was one of the harshest critics in the first half, and I think he got better, no doubt about it. So I, I, I like him and Terrell Smith on the outside. Again, you know, you want to mix another young guy in there. You know, eventually, once if you do trade Jalen Johnson, you can do that. But signing Jalen Johnson to a long-term contract where he's making twenty-two million, and I know, I know what, what these these 
salary cap stuff you can fudge the numbers and you can spread things out and i just i just don't like investing that much money in, in, in a secondary when you still have holes in your in your front seven yeah um let's run through some of these questions j2k says is there a wide receiver in free agency that you might consider signing we talked we about talk the show earlier. Yeah. Yeah, Aldo and I, um, there's a guy I like a lot, but he's a restricted free agent. That's just Jawan Jennings from, from 49ers. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be a nice guy, you know, fits that X style, you know, receiver, big body guy who's, who's you know, critical on third downs. He, he comes up big for, for the 49ers on third downs, but he's restricted. So I'm not sure how much of, of a free agent he'll be. Um, you know, there's talk about Seattle might be letting go of Tyler Lockett, him being, being a, a, a cap casualty, obviously with the familiarity with Shane Waldron, you know, Bears looking for a guy that could be a, you know, a Z or, or a slot. I think Shane, I think, I think Tyler Lockett, if he gets cut, could be a guy. You know, Tyler Boyd is a guy that that that, that intrigues me in Cincinnati. He's always been a number three, not, never really a number two. Again, he'd probably come in here as a veteran who's got some size, some you know, some ability. I think that'd be a, a good, you know, second tier kind of kind of signing. Um, you know, DJ Shark is always a guy I've liked for a long time. And yep. all the yep. that, uh, you know, wherever he's had opportunity, he's a guy who's made plays, but you know, unfortunately, him, his ability. To stay healthy has is, is been has been his his downfall there too. So you know, Kendrick Bourne is is a is a you know a, a quick twitch receiver doesn't have really great speed, but you know but also isn't really a guy that's that's an X. So he's in between. Uh, you know the, the the you know the pickings are slim. I know, I know although you mentioned Josh Reynolds uh, yes. from Detroit, uh, he's a guy that was with the Rams and 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 um, and uh, McVay. So I, I I believe him and and Waldron do have that bond there where they might have been with the Rams at the same time. So Josh Reynolds could be a guy, but again, not a not a per, per se big X guy, but a guy who can you can run the slot, a guy who can you know can play a, a backup Z. You know, I think Noah Brown came in last year, and, and at once uh, Nico Collins got hurt and was given opportunity. I think he sh- you know, he showed his ability to to be a playmaker, but again, he's at more of a, a third you know receiver, which is which is which is fine, which is what you're looking for. But I stay away from the, the big money guys. I stay away from T Higgins. I stay away from Michael Pittman Jr. Because especially if if some of these guys that we just talked about, the top three or four guys fall to your number nine, you got to you got to pull a trigger there and, and get get your get your future opposite starter of from DJ Moore in that in that draft and and then you, now you can kind of fill in with with you know from around them with, with some of the other guys. Yeah, boy, Chase Claypool. <laughs> yeah, I think that we've seen that we've seen that show. We don't want to see it again. No shit. <laughs> All right, uh, let us see what else we got here in questions uh do a chaos do you think they keep blasting game that's funny you mentioned that because i don't and i think the cap savings is 1.6 million and and i'm full disclosure i am not a carry blasting game fan i I don't think he's a really good fullback i know i will differ on that but with shane uh, waldron what he does is uh he uses more of an h-back as and and just like shane mcveigh you know with with the with the tyler higbees and 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 the joe everett's you know guys that are you know tweeners guys that are at 6260 but athletic right so i think that's another thing where you could look at and in this draft has guys now i haven't done a full full breakdown of them but i mean just i got you know um Ben Sennett from from uh, Kansas State was a guy that really stood out at the Senior Bowl in terms of his ability to catch the ball. Um, there's a there's a guy um, uh, Jaheim Bell from Florida State, another athletic, talented kid that's got that in between. He's uh, in between in terms of he's not a, a tight end, but he's not a fullback. He's like that that H back type. So there's some guys out there that, you, that they, they could possibly bring in here as well. So we'll see what happens there in terms of the draft. But yeah, I, I, I think I think that again the cap, the cap savings are about 1.6 million, so it's not huge. But again, 
know, if, if, if it's a position that you don't utilize as your offensive coordinator, that doesn't need, and you can bring in a, a, a pass catching option that can play H back and fullback for you, you know, like a, like a Kyle Juszczyk that they does with the 49ers, you know, that, that, that that's the kind of player that if you think about what they would like to bring in here, I think, you know, uh, Ben Sennett and Jane Bell from Florida State are two guys top of my list for that position. Back to the wide receiver position, J2K asked about Curtis Samuel. He's hit or miss, J2K. I mean, I mean, there's games where you'll see Curtis Samuel has eight catches for 100 some yards, and there's there's three weeks where he has like two catches in, in the last you know three games. So it's 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 a guy that that really hasn't lived up to his his draft potential coming out of Ohio State. Where he was a a big game potential guy that 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 I think went in the second round, I believe second or third round. I forgot where he went, but. He he really is an up and down guy, and 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 again, and I'm not looking for necessarily a starter opposite of, of DJ Moore. I'm looking for more of a complement player and, and more of a depth. Mm-hmm. So if if that's the case, if you go and get two guys in the draft, you get your X and you get a you get a you know a third receiver, and now you want to get another guy that maybe gives some depth. Maybe you could bring in a Curtis Samuel on a one-year cheap veteran deal, but I wouldn't he wouldn't be the first guy I'm, I'm calling on on day one of free agency. That's for sure. Notorious says uh, that he really liked the combination of Sweat and Walker. Do we really need an edge player? Yeah, you want to have three good edge players. We, we we do, Notorious. And and what we need is is we need a guy opposite of Sweat that that's more of that quick twitch, you know, um, just speed guy, get after the quarterback. And doesn't necessarily have to be a four down player or a guy that can put his hand on the ground and, and be a, a, a tough. He's a guy that just get after the quarterback. This remember this defense is in nickel about 65, 70% of the time. So a lot of times that guy's is going to be rushing the quarterback going after him. And and Demarcus Rucker, I agree, had a solid season last year. He could be your base and opposite of sweat when you when you start off the, the game. But when you go to those passing situations, third down or second and 20 or something like that, you could bring in this edge guy that you bring that you get out of the draft or veteran free there's a, there's a couple of veteran free agents that are really intrigue me and I'm, I'm curious if the bears go that route but uh you can bring this edge guy in kick demarcus walker into a three technique position where he was effective last year and, and the previous year when he was with tennessee as well so i think that's probably your your, your best your best bet there is, is utilizing walker as a as an interior rusher and bringing in another edge guy a speed guy opposite of of montez what yeah, and we know the rotation, too, that Eberflus uses. There were a lot of plays where Sweat was off the field. So you got to have depth in that defensive line. Totally agree with uh, Danny. Attack the trenches, no doubt about it. Uh, Cornelius asks, if you had a chance to look at tight end Jaheim Bell? Yeah, I haven't had that full dive in him. We just kind of brought him up real quick. Again, he's one of those athletic H-back, tweeners, you know, fullback guys. Was down at the Senior Bowl. He's a guy that, on a very talented Florida State offense, you know, made some plays. He's a guy that, that can sneak out of the backfield, you know, run a run a wheel route, and get down the football field. Uh, so yeah, he's a guy to keep an eye on if if they go that route in terms of you know, a, a, you know, get rid of a, a true fullback, if you will, and bring in one of these guys. He's move fullbacks, you know, slash H backs. Jaheim Bell's a guy to keep an eye on, and Ben Sennett from Kansas State, two guys. That, that I'm going to be talking about probably a lot, previewing them uh, as we move forward here when we talk about tight ends. All right. And then uh, the final question is going to come in here from Ant Moss. He says, would you address edge in free agency and focus more offensive line in the draft? He started, This question was done like 15 minutes into the show. So we, we've basically covered that. But go ahead and, and, and add anything you want to that. You know what, Ant Moss, I, I, I would not mind it. I would not mind it going ahead and, and, and addressing the edge in free agency. Again, there's big, big money guys out there, the Josh Allens, you know, the Daniel Hunter. I, I don't think those guys are, are where uh, polls is going to hit it. There's guys like Bryce Huff from, from the Jets. There's guys like 
uh, Greenyard from from uh, from the from the Texans. These are guys, young guys that are not household names, but guys that are effective at getting after the quarterback. You know, those could be potential guys that, that the Bears target in free agency. Uh, I, I I do think they're going to address the defensive line in free agency, whether it's an edge guy or another uh, another interior guy. You know, we don't know, but I think they will attack it defensive line via free agency. But then also in, in terms of the draft, yes, this is a this is a pretty good you know year for offensive lineman. And if, if you're at number nine, you're sitting there and no one wants to trade up and all the receivers are gone. You want, you can do worse than getting Joe Alt from Notre Dame and, and, and plug him in at left tackle or, or and kicking Braxton Jones to left guard. You know, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk about in, in the interior there, a lot of uncertainty for me at least. Right. So if you're going to mm-hmm. bring in a, a young quarterback, whether it's Caleb Williams or, or Drake may, or if you can even keep Justin Fields, you need to solidify that interior of the offensive line. We know they need a center, right? Whether they go get the kid Evan Brown from Seattle, who's a free agent that is familiar with the system, we'll see what happens there. But guys, Nate Davis to me was was a bad signing last year, and I know he had personal stuff, and that kind of threw off his season. But that, that Green Bay game, he was one of the worst offensive linemen out there in that, that season finale, right? So he's a big question mark for me. Tevin Jenkins, I like his progress. I like what he's done when he's healthy. When he's healthy, he's on the field. Tevin Jenkins makes a difference, but again, he's not healthy. And can you, as, as, as a Bears organization, can you go on and count on Tevin Jenkins as being there for 17 games for you? I'm afraid, I'm afraid not. So you got a position against center. You might need, you know, a, a couple of guards at least. Right. So I think this is, you know, a guy we brought up earlier in the show with Ian, you know, Coleman from TCU, a guy's got the length, the athletic ability to play left tackle, but also can play kick inside to play left guard. That versatility would, would be nice. Um, you know, I, I would, you know, we talked about some of the, the, the big guys in, in terms of center, you know, Zach Frazier from West Virginia is a guy I like a lot. Um, you know, we talked about the kid from Oregon who gives you some of that position versatility, Jackson Powers, you can play some center, you can play some guard for you as well. So, you know, they're still keeping that. We know they're keeping the wide zone system, right? They need way they want athletic offensive linemen, guys that can move laterally, that guys that can maintain their blocks and guys that can get to that second level defender uh, quickly enough. So, you know, we know what they're looking for. And this is a draft that they, they, they got plenty of, they got plenty of guys they can plug inside and even some, some outside tackles as well. So, uh, you know, it's curious to see what happens. Uh, obviously, I, I would like to either that ninth pick to be either a, one of these receivers or or an edge guy if they don't address that position in free agency. All right, we've got two hours of show behind us. Uh, let's pull the plug again. A, a number of other questions, but we're gonna. I, I promise J2K that we're gonna get to those players. I got to send Danny the list of players that have been asked over the last few shows, and Danny's gonna report on every single one that he can uh, make time for. So we'll. Definitely keep our promise there, uh, Danny. Any final words to your fans? No, just uh, just keep sending in those players. Whoever you guys want me to go and scout, we'll go ahead and and, and do a uh, another another uh, position group next week. Obviously, next week we'll talk about some of the some of the stuff that's going on at, at the combine. You know, this is where stuff gets done, guys. This is where deals are made. So you know, things are going to be filtering out in terms of you know rumors and all that stuff. Don't believe everything you hear. This is lying season, as Greg has said before in the past. So, but but this is where these these guys are all huddled in, in one area and, and and they make trades. So, um, you know, I think the whole thing with Justin this this week, him scrubbing his, his social media is, is interesting. Um, you know, uh, his explanation today really didn't make sense, in my opinion, in terms of he just wants to get away from football. He doesn't want to hear about it. Well, the Bears don't tweet about you being traded or or, or Instagram you about you being traded, Justin. So I'm not sure how that all works, but. Uh, I think that unfortunately is, is going to be the, the the path they're going to they're going to take. I think they're going to go ahead and, and, and trade him, and I think they're going to go ahead and draft a draft a quarterback. Who the quarterback is going to be, we'll we'll see. But uh, interesting stuff will be be popping up uh, this this next week here, along with you, uh, the testing. You, 
you had a really good theory. You said, you know, you were speculating, of course, but that perhaps maybe that the Bears let Justin Fields know or, or his agent know that they were going to shop him around, uh, that uh, some offers started to come in at the Senior Bowl and those offers were probably intensified at the Combine. The agent may have called up and said, hey, well, you know, can I give my, my client a, a status report on what you guys are thinking, you know, and they – the Bears might have been honest, and that infuriated uh, Justin, who's really, if you believe him, really wants to be a Chicago Bear. But uh, I thought that was a really good theory, Danny. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's a, I think that's what happened because I think I think Ryan Poles has that relationship with Justin Fields where he's going to give him the you know the, the that that heads up and say, hey, listen, you know this is what we're going to do. We're going to end up you know using it, the pick on, on a quarterback. You know we we are going to go ahead and trade you. You know maybe he's even asked them like you know is there a certain team you like and we can try and get engaged. But because for for polls and the Bears, it's it's best that they have multiple suitors for 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 Justin. And I think the ton of teams that we hear about Pittsburgh and 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 Atlanta. I think I think Atlanta probably be a better situation for him with Arthur Arthur. You know I'm sorry, Arthur Smith, uh, Pittsburgh situation with Arthur Smith now being the offensive coordinator. I can't remember he is the guy that yeah. I wanted Justin to come here. To be the Bears' office corner, so they could work with Justin. So I think he'll be a nice fit there in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, Atlanta is his hometown, so you know that might be something there as well. But uh, I, I think they've told him that they're going to go ahead and trade him, that they're going to draft a quarterback. I don't think they've made the decision in terms of which quarterback they're going to draft. Me personally, mm-hmm. I don't think they've done that because they still haven't met with these guys yet. And I think that's a big, big part of the process: of interviewing these guys and getting to know these guys, especially Akela Kill Williams coming into the draft without an agent, having his dad being one of those dads that medals into his businesses that that could be something that they may not want to touch who knows we'll see um but again that's something that i think justin knows that that the running's on the wall and i think that that's something that that that's going to happen rather well it's going to happen during the combine or after the combine but i, I think obviously it can't be official till after march 13 when the, when the new league year starts so great stuff danny thanks for all your hard work and uh prepping for the show and your insight and thank you ian cummings those of you who uh are not following ian on twitter or x it is at capital i capital c underscore draft ian cummings he is the pro football network draft analyst does a great job over there and he was a great interview listening to him and danny was fun um and uh we've got baseball talk tomorrow yeah baseball baseball's around the corner danny how's your team looking yeah baseball yeah i know right (laughs) baseball this is draft season baseball doesn't start until may or in in june for me well if you tune into crosstown crosstalk our our thursday afternoon baseball show that's what Vinny does for half the show talk about the nfl draft so uh uh join him tomorrow i think they're gonna go at two o'clock him and joe usually do a show together and then on friday the willis twins will uh talk more bears football and weekend sports bidding tips follows them on friday so we got more live programming ahead and you can catch everything on our archives i don't know why <laughs> that guy is up there but you can catch everything in our archives if you subscribe to the youtube channel barroom network danny take care we'll talk to you next week brother talking baseball <laughs> <laughs>